This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. The race for the Republican nomination. With the Iowa caucuses in the history books, the remaining candidates are moving on to next week's New Hampshire primary. But before returning to the campaign trail, frontrunner Donald Trump took a detour to attend day one of the defamation trial against him in New York, where he's accused of spreading lies about the woman he's been found liable of sexually abusing. Fresh off a resounding victory in Iowa, former President Donald Trump went straight to a Manhattan courtroom, where he faces writer E. Jean Carroll in a defamation suit against him. Trump's legal woes have bolstered his campaign among Republican voters. In Iowa, 65% of caucus goers said he would still be fit for the presidency even if he were convicted of a crime. And in New Hampshire, supporters who stood in line in the snow to see him say numerous trials don't bother them. I think all of this is a distraction. His policy is so important to me and what he's going to do for the country. I can overlook that. In the last three competitive Republican presidential primaries here in New Hampshire, the winner went on to win the eventual party nomination. And Donald Trump is taking nothing for granted. He's expected to campaign here in New Hampshire nearly every day this week. The president's son, Hunter Biden, has agreed to sit for a closed-door deposition with congressional investigators as part of President Biden's impeachment inquiry. Republicans threatened to hold the president's son in contempt of Congress after he refused to answer questions privately in December, saying he preferred to testify publicly. Hunter Biden will testify to the committee next month. Congress has passed a bill that would prevent a partial government shutdown. It now heads to President Biden's desk. How did this get through both the House and the Senate? Well, it is a bit of a miracle. I mean, look, you know, there was a lot of angst at the beginning of this week and even the beginning of this month as to whether or not Congress would be able to avert a shutdown. But we really saw a significant breakthrough first when we saw congressional leaders reach that agreement over top line spending that guides the overall appropriations process a couple of weeks ago. And then at the beginning of this week, of course, we saw that agreement between a Speaker Johnson and Leader Schumer and the other congressional leaders to move forward with, again, keeping this laddered or staggered approach to extend government funding to March 1st and March 8th, basically sliding that timetable because, as you know, government funding was due to run out at the end of this week and then again on February 2nd for other federal agencies. So we're basically just sliding the scale for about a month <laughs> to six weeks. And the hope is that, you know, lawmakers in both chambers can get these appropriations bills that they've been working on for uh, many months now, get those over the finish line so that they don't have to do another CR in the future. U.S. Central Command confirmed another round of retaliatory strikes Thursday against Yemen's Iran-backed Houthi rebels in the Red Sea. This comes as the Middle East has been rocked by a series of missile and drone strikes over the last few days. Earlier this week, Iran hit multiple targets in Iraq, Syria, and Pakistan in a 24-hour period. These attacks are not necessarily related, but there is a common link between them, Iran, and its proxies. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the NFL's little engine that could, chugged its way past the wild card round on the way to a divisional appearance. They are off to Detroit to take on the Lions, who figured it was the first time they'd been here in 30 years. So why not stick around for a little bit? Houston Texans happily hit the road this week off to Baltimore for the divisional round after their rookie QB won his first playoff game in style. We're playing our best ball as of right now um, these last two weeks, last three weeks. Really. Now they face the daunting task of playing the top team in the NFL, the rested Baltimore Ravens. I'm proud of you. 
I'm bleeding. I'm so proud of you. Maybe Foreigner doesn't know what love is, but San Francisco is about to find out what it's all about. Green Bay riding Jordan to the divisional round. The seven-seed Packers still alive, heading west this week to take on the top seed in the NFC, the rested San Francisco 49ers. All right, let's go now. In person with these boys. In person with them. They come in here and take it us. No! They gotta get smacked though! The reigning champs, the Kansas City Chiefs, still alive to defend their crown. The 11, Mahomes, running across, Race brings it in to the end zone! Touchdown, Kansas City! They're off to Buffalo, it's Mahomes versus Allen, postseason chapter 3, Josh roaring into the divisional round. Josh steps up, and he's gonna get the first down. Oh, and there he goes! No one's gonna get him! Incredible, breaks it for the touchdown! You dress, and you know, I I gotta say, you uh, Sid mm-hmm. and you work together a great deal, and I gotta say, yeah, yes. he always looks great, incredibly well fitted. Um, oh, well, and, and no, 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 it's 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 interesting, and just when you are well dressed, I think it does something to yeah. you psychologically, something that's it just it right. gives a little pep in the step. Here you go again. Oh, here we go again. Sitting friends in the morning, another weekday, another great show. About to come your way, 609, on your Friday morning, before a huge NFL weekend. Dolly Parton, I happen to like her a lot. She is one of the most charitable Hollywood celebrity superstars, maybe ever. And, um... It's her birthday today. I don't know how old Dolly Parton is. I got to guess that she's close to 80. But uh, Lou Ruffino, the great Lou Ruffino, he's going to tell me exactly how old Dolly is. How old is Miss Parton today? She's 78. Oh, my God. No, um. 78. How about that? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Everybody's speechless. I think Noam is... um. Something wrong with him today. I can't. I can't exactly pinpoint I am, it. I'm, I'm a little off today. Yeah, you had a rough, uh, rough hour. Some, I t- that I hour was rough. Yeah, like I, 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 ne- I never, ever, ever. To Noam's credit, this is a, a huge testimonial. I never hear Noam like stutter, or uh, you know, just say something. Not even say something, but kind of 
miss a beat, and he missed maybe not not many, but maybe one or two. I think you're being generous. It was more like a half a dozen. But what happened? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. You know, some some mornings you just wake up and that's what it is. Well, no, you ne- you're never like that. You're under stress or something? Or? You know, you really want the truth? <laughs> yeah, I really want the truth. I have been sick since, like, Christmas, and it just yeah. won't go away. And so I got this hack and cough and whatever it is. Yeah. And yeah. so today it was playing on me more than usual. You're not alone. Uh, it's amazing the amount of people I know, close to me, very anecdotal, but very close to me, that are sick. And of they've course. been sick for weeks. Weeks. And we are in close proximity with each right. other a right. lot. Plus, I touch day. all you guys and... Yeah, yeah. Well, that of course does not help, Doctor. <laughs> yeah. Right. I when stick I'm, my finger in Gnome's mouth and right, put it on Louis's face. Doesn't matter right. what any of us are doing. Uh, that we're live. You're yeah. walking around. Justin could be on the air. You're just putting your hands right. in people's faces. It's very unsanitary. No. Well, that could be one word for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm amazed, and, and I shouldn't say this because you know I'm going to Israel in eight days. I can't get sick, but um, I've been okay. You know, usually you guys know this. I lose my voice. Three or four times by this time of the year, and I've been great. So, I think my uh, my diet, my uh, my new workout schedule, running every single day, the whole thing is working out well for me. Greg Kelly with the very very nice little tribute there. He had my dear friend Joseph Aboud, the greatest men's fashion designer ever. Joseph Aboud, for some reason, was on with Greg Kelly a couple of days ago. And uh, you heard Greg there in the open complimenting me, which was very, very nice. And Greg is also a very, very sharp guy, good-looking guy. He's on Newsmax television every day. But it was very nice of Greg to do that. And I do take pride most days. I mean, look, this time of the year, winter, snowstorms, you'll see me show up in a pair of sweatpants and a sweatshirt. I've done that often the last couple of weeks. But uh, for the most part... I try to dress nicely. Today, for example, nice pair of blue slacks that I bought at the garage, the legendary garage. Thank you, Anthony, in Brooklyn. And a beautiful white cable knit sweater. Very Huxtable-like today as I put on my morning message on Instagram. I compel you folks to follow me today on Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, or Sid Rosenberg on Facebook. The last two days... I've gone to the sweaters, the Joseph Aboud cashmere sweater yesterday. And uh, this one is a Century 21 white cable knit sweater today. And I always feel like uh, like the old guy who sits by the fire with the kids and the grandkids all around him. But it's it's warm. and You need a pipe. You need a pipe, exactly. Yeah. But I'm, I'm tan, so the white sweater... Looks pretty good. Yeah, it plays off you uh, kind of well. Yeah, it looks nice. Yeah. Sure. But I do I do take pride. And Greg is right. When you when you get up in the morning and you put something nice on, you know, part of the reason why I started to have uh, this great success in New York is that I used to wear Sid Rosenberg T-shirts and shorts year after year, and I never cared. And I don't think people take you very seriously when you walk around like that. I really don't. So it um, it works for me. So Greg was uh, Greg was right about that. So what's the deal with the snow here? My, my my driver Gene picked me up this morning, and he said, "Oh, where's all the snow?" And I said, "Well, I think it's coming later." And he said, "No, it was supposed to start last night." I'm like, "No, I don't think so." No, it's a, it's a daytime storm. It's going to be like nine oh, to a five. Oh, daytime storm. Yeah, yeah, it's going to snow most of the day. Nine Starting to like, five. See what he did exactly. there? Exactly. Now, why is that genius? 
It is genius, isn't it? Now, why is that genius, though? Because Dolly Parton, of course, sings ah, 9 to 5. Ah, very good. I might be out of it, but not that out of it. <laughs> yeah. So when does it start and how bad's it going to get? Probably in the city around 9 o'clock, but there's a window. It could be like 8 to 10. And then it'll probably roll out about the time it gets dark, 5 or 6 o'clock. And here in the city, 1 to 3 inches of snow. That's it. Yeah. What did we get the other day? I'm curious. It was about the same. It was like a little about 2 inches. About 2 inches, yeah. Yeah. And is there another storm coming next week, or is that it? There could be another one. I know tonight it's all about this deep chill. It's going to be like below twenty in most of the areas around. Well, the tomorrow, dry state. tomorrow is supposed to be one of the coldest days in the city in decades. Uh, the high here in the city, like twenty-five. Yeah, right. And with the real feel, it's going to feel like I, I think nine degrees. It'll be a good day to watch football. Exactly. Oh, Those games, right. uh, they start late tomorrow. It's a, I believe. The first game is a 4.30 p.m. kickoff, which features C.J. Stroud and the Texans in Baltimore taking on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. And then you get the 8.35 night game, which has Green Bay in San Francisco. Both favorites tomorrow are both the top seeds. They didn't play last week, and they rested Baltimore in the AFC, San Francisco in the NFC. Both of those teams are exactly nine-and-a-half-point favorites tomorrow, just in case um, you're interested in some entertaining investments. But you're right, it'll be a good day uh, for that. But then the reason why you're not going to get snow next week is uh, looking forward to the 10-day forecast. Most of the days next week, temperatures were back in the 40s. A real, uh, what do you call that, heat wave? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I checked the uh, weather in Jerusalem this week, and it's like 52 for the high and uh, low 40s for the low. So not exactly Puerto Rico, you know. No, you got to go to, like, the southern part of the country. Then it'll be warm, but not, not in Jerusalem. Not even that warm there. I was nope. talking to uh, Alex Trayman yesterday, and, of course, you have to go to the south to see some of the horrific places that were affected during that awful October 7th day. And uh, I said, well, how long does it take? I don't know anything about the country. And he said, Sid, it's like New Jersey. Really, it's only about the size of New Jersey. But but if you're going to try to get from the north down to the south, it could take you about two and a half hours. Like me driving to my mom's house in uh, just outside Monticello in upstate New York. But, of course, that's the whole country. You go from the north to the south in two and a half hours. That sound about right, Noam? Uh, well, depending on where you go. If you go really deep down south, it could take well, I'm, longer. I'm, I'm going down to the Gaza border. Yeah, but if you keep going south down to Eilat, which is uh, on the Red Sea. Isn't Eilat supposed to be beautiful? Yeah, it's a resort town, big for Europeans, fly in there from Germany and places like that. And that town and, has not been affected at all by this war? No. It's wow. It's beautiful down there. How far, how far south of that from Gaza? Well, if you're, let's say from Jerusalem, I think it's probably a four or five hour ride. Oh, really? Something like, yeah, a lot of people will fly it, but I think it's four or five hours, something like that. Wow. Okay. Well, there you go. What did your father say after our conversation yesterday? Uh, you know, it's so funny. Uh, he said he's going to surprise you in the studios in Jerusalem. He knows Good. where they are. Oh, he does know where mm-hmm. they are. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm glad he does. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he'll do the first show. Your father. Could be. Uh, tell him thank you very much for that. All right. So, uh, again, this is uh, the end of this week. We do five shows from New York City next week. And my flight takes off 1 a.m. late Saturday night into Sunday morning. I get to Israel 
at about 6 p.m. local time on Sunday night. Israel is seven hours ahead, which uh, gives me plenty of time to get a good night's rest, nice dinner, all that, before I come on the air. 1 p.m. Jerusalem time, 6 a.m. New York time on uh, Monday morning. So one more week in New York, then uh, four out of five days from Israel. All right, we are now talking about four or five days, four days away from New Hampshire. Donald Trump, of course, put on a show, beat the living daylights out of both Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley in Iowa. Now he's on his way to New Hampshire. He's been there already. He'll be there just about every day. But he was on with our good buddy Sean Hannity last night. This is all courtesy of Fox News. Sean Hannity, one of the most recent folks to leave New York and uh, move down to Florida. And Trump spent a lot of time last night with Sean talking about all the things he did well. And there were a lot. Let's go to uh, this cut, Lou. Donald Trump, number six. Once again, courtesy of Sean Hannity and Fox News last night. We got rid of a lot of the deep state. And I will tell you, uh, you know, then we had the COVID come two and a half years later. But nobody ever had a better economy. We're the greatest economy in the history of our country. We're the strongest border in the history of our country. I built over 500 miles of wall. We got Mexico to give us 28,000 free soldiers, free of charge. Not that easy to get, by the way. I had to do... A lot of maneuvering, including tariffs and other things to get it. But we, uh, you know, by the way, speaking of tariffs, we took in hundreds of billions of dollars for, from China. And of that, we gave $28 billion to our farmers because they were abused by China. What China did to our farmers was horrible. And we did a great job for our country. You know, again, the largest tax cuts in history. The Democrats want to double up and triple up on the, on the taxes. They want to double your taxes and triple your taxes. I got you the biggest, bigger than the Reagan tax cuts. You and I were talking about that the other day. And you called up about uh, the Reagan cuts and our cuts. Our cuts were substantially bigger. Our cuts were substantially bigger. Talking about the uh, the Democrats, it would not be a Donald Trump conversation without beating the daylights out of Joe Biden, deservedly so. And Trump said last night, I'm not, I'm not the threat to democracy. Joe Biden is. Donald Trump cut number Seven. Biden is a threat to democracy. He's an absolute threat to democracy. He's very dangerous for a couple of reasons. Number one, he's grossly incompetent, which is the number one reason. But he's also actually in his own way. It's not him. It's the people that surround him. You got some very bad people surrounding him at that desk. You have people running the Department of Justice surrounding him. They're young and they're smart and they're communists and they're Marxists and they're fascists. And they're running this country. They're running it right into the ground. But I don't think the Supreme Court would do it because uh, you can't take the vote. You know, I'm leading in every poll. I'm leading Biden, but I'm leading uh, the remaining well, the Republicans. There's two of them, and they're the barely hanging Muslim on. Poll? How can you possibly take the vote away? All right, shut up, Sean. I'm begging you. So um, then he goes on to talk about this unity word, you know. Joe Biden, he was all about unity. Pretty ran on. That's what he told us. You know, the temperature is too hot with Trump. We got to lower the fever. We have to um, unify. And then you may remember when he won the first couple of days on the White House lawn, his dopey wife, who should be put in prison for spousal abuse, moron Jill, she put all these stupid unity signs all over the White House grass. And what's amazing is the Democrats 
who get all caught up in abstracts, all caught up in abstracts, unity, freedom. They're the worst. In walked Barack Obama, black man. He was going to save this country. And the racial divide was never worse. Let me explain to you guys again. Maybe that racist Joy Reid is listening. Do you know what President BLM was born under? Barack Obama. You had Michael Brown, that lowlife in St. Louis, Ferguson, Missouri, actually. You had Freddie Gray in Baltimore. You had, who was the fat guy in uh, on Staten Island who got to, who the cops uh, took down, but he was so fat he died? Eric Garner. All these took place when Obama was president. And then unity. Are you nuts? Not even close. Trump understands unity. Here's Trump on Fox News last night once again. Cut number eight. Within the Republican Party, I want to bring unity. And within the nation, I want to bring unity. And, you know, unity is going to come from success. Because when we had this country prior to COVID, and then even after COVID, but especially prior to COVID, the China virus coming in, we had the most successful country ever in history. There's never been anything like it, what we did. And, you know, the other side was calling me, and they were coming to me. They wanted to talk. It was all coming together. Success will bring everybody under the same tent. And finally, you know, New Hampshire, and you've heard this a million times if you listen to me, from Bill O'Reilly to all the guests, New Hampshire's weird because Democrats vote for Republicans in New Hampshire. That's why nobody takes New Hampshire all that seriously. That's why Nikki Haley is going to do well in New Hampshire because all these Democrats are going to vote for her because they're scared to death that Donald Trump is going to win. So when Nikki Haley has a good showing in New Hampshire, and she will, but she won't win, she won't win, she'll come the closest to winning in New Hampshire, then she'll have her ass handed to her again in her own state of South Carolina coming up not long after that. But she'll make it close because these Dems are scared to death of Donald Trump. He made that point last night once again, Sean Hannity, cut number nine. It bothers me, and the governor should have done something about it instead of talking, waste his time with Nikki, because she's not going to make it. She has no chance. She's got no way. Maggot's not going to be with her. And, you know, when you said the uh, Democrats voting, no, it doesn't say that. It said about Nikki that 50 percent of the Republicans would be lost to Nikki, only to Nikki, not even to Ronda Sanctimonious. So, you know, it's a bad thing for her, but it's a bad thing for us. Who has a system where Democrats are allowed to vote in the Republican primary? It doesn't seem to make any sense. I'm with the president on that one. So we are ready to go, folks. You ready? Friday morning, little snowstorm coming, big NFL weekend. You ready to hang out for about three and a half hours? I think you are. Arthur Idala, Curtis Sliwa, Andrew Giuliani, Judge Andrew Napolitano live in studio, Gordon Chang, and my main man, Joseph Tacopina, who made big news this week. When he decided working for Donald Trump was over. All that about to come your way. The number, as always, 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Once again, happy birthday, number 78, to this one right here. Dolly Parton, 9 to 5. Folks, keep it right here. Sit on a Friday. Want to move ahead
This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. to love at 6.33 on your Friday morning. Today, Robert Palmer is, I know he's long dead. This was not the video where you had all those beautiful women with the severe hair back and those black dresses. Robots. I yeah, it was. It was, was it this one, Addicted yeah. to Love? Yeah, it was like three of them. Is it his birthday today or heavenly uh, birthday? Yeah, he's... Uh... 75. Seven, well, he's not 75. He's dead. Oh, I think he's alive. He died a young man, actually. Died of a heart attack, yes. too, and that's it. I and he was like in his 40s or something. 54. And he was doing great. What a waste. And he looked good. He looked great. The videos were great. I like Robert Palmer. But um, he's dead now 21 years. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, it is amazing. I, mean, I, I, could, I could remember that video on VH1. Like it was yesterday. It was a big thing because it was just all those women behind Yeah, those them. women. They look great. Yeah, never did anything for me. Really? It looked like a bunch of androids behind him. That was attractive to you? Yeah. Okay. I like them like that. <laughs> all right. Like, I like them like androids. Right. It's like they don't answer. They don't That's say right. no. Perfect. They yeah. just do yeah. what you need. Right. Pick up a guitar, play. Oh, Could right. you imagine... Having a remote control woman, how amazing that would be! You can have one. They're out there, man. Oh, I know they're out yeah, there, but you just gotta have an inflatable I like, thing. I'm yeah. married, first of all, and second of all, I'd like if I wasn't, I'd like to keep the money I make every week. Well, well they're exactly. out there, all right. That's right. Well, it's not a good use of your money. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. You can ask. You can ask another host at this station. Yeah. <laughs> How's that working out? <laughs> How is that working out, guys? How's that working out, okay? Uh, you know, I saw this video on, um, I guess, Instagram yesterday, and I thought it was very, very funny, I must say. So this, hey, do we have the old, um, the bit that Louie and I did? This is one of my favorite bits. Uh, Louis does an unbelievable Joe Pesci. What made you think of that? Because I'll show, I'll tell you why. Okay. There's always a method to my madness. I'm a genius. Well, there's, you got one half of that right. <laughs> yeah. So we did this thing on Goodfellas where Louis plays the part of Joe Pesci and I play the part of Henry Hill, the uh, late great actor Ray Liotta. 
And I'll tell you why you're going to play that first, because what I found on the Internet was the Jewish version, as we get set to go to Israel, the Jewish version of Goodfellas. So now we can juxtapose the Italian version, which is uh, me and Lou, up against the Jewish version. So you let me know, Louis, when in fact uh, you've got the Italian version. But just some uh, a precursor to the video of the Jewish version. It's it's I, I believe it's the young men or young Hasidic men who dug those tunnels being let out by policemen. I think it is too. Yes. So they're getting <laughs> taken away, and you know it's like the scene, obviously like the, right, that scene from the movie where they're all going away. Right. So, when they all get arrested, you mean? Right. That's that exactly. That's, that's, that's the exact scene. Exactly. Yeah, so no. we kind of replace all the nicknames with the Jewish. <laughs> It's, it's good. I thought I thought it was I thought it was good. It was good. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm always worried that some of these videos won't translate well to radio, but I believe that uh, this one does. Hey, before we get to that, I will tell you that my friend Judah Honigman contacted me this morning, and they're already going about you know different tours and all these different activities for us because we don't hit the airwaves till 1 p.m. local time in Israel. So I believe on Wednesday morning, for example, Noam, Wednesday morning they've set up a tour of the Holocaust Museum. Oh, okay, in Jerusalem, yeah. In Jerusalem, yes. Um, I'm not f- sure how far that is from the studios, but the beauty about going to work at 1 p.m. local time in Israel is you can get up in the morning, have a good workout, have some breakfast, have an activity, and then uh, and then go to work. I was wondering if they would have the tours because uh, there's no show for me next Friday and Saturday on Shabbos. And I'm assuming yes, because as you told me, only 20% of Israelis are religious. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that number is exactly right. But yeah, you know, there's plenty of people who Friday is just Friday, it's a day off. Just a Friday, that's yeah. it. Right. So I would imagine that they would have these tours then. Yeah, and you know... The great part about you going now is that those tour guides are suffering big time because people aren't going, obviously, a middle war. And so every dollar you spend there will be a huge deal. There's a guy named Marco who follows me on Instagram, once again, at Rosenberg.Sydney. And he says his sister lives in a lot and they have had issues there. No one's oh, died really? yet, but they've had issues. Yeah. I was just looking to see what the temperature was there. It's 78 degrees. Uh, is that right? Yeah. Well, that's a major difference. It is. 30-degree difference between Jerusalem and Eilat. And again, you're saying it's what, about four hours away? It's like a a four-and-a-half-hour drive, something like that. Is that about as south as you get in Israel? Yeah. That's it. You're right there on the Egyptian border. You're right on the Egyptian border. And the Jordanian border, for that matter, across the sea, you can see Jordan. Is that right? Yeah. Can you, like, just, is it like walking? Because I remember being in um, Lake Tahoe, for example, Used to go every year to the big golf tournament in Lake Tahoe. And there's a street, I swear to God, I think it's by Harvey's Casino. There's a street with a yellow line. And if you step on one side of the line, you're in California. And if you step on the other side of the line, you're in Nevada. Literally a line in the street. You walk over the line, you're in a different state. I imagine you can't do that. With Israel and Jordan or Israel and Egypt, but no. it's, it's closed. They're secure borders, but they're friendly borders. I mean, you can go both into Jordan and into Egypt, but you can imagine their security of both of them. How secure are they? <laughs> I mean, pretty, imagine, I imagine secure. more secure since October the 7th, yeah, right? Yeah, no two ways about it, yeah. Yeah. 
All right, so we, uh, we'll get to the Goodfellas stuff after because we got to get to Arthur Idala. But I do want to play, I do want to juxtapose me and Lou acting out the Goodfellas scene up against the Jewish Goodfellas. But we do have um, Artie coming up next. Folks, also Traffic with Joe Nolan is coming up next. Right now it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and get the max out of mini. Today's minicast is from Katz and Cosby. Here my man John Katzenmatidis talks with Senator Alphonse D'Amato. Uh, Senator D'Amato, your thoughts about where this is headed? They're saying impeach Mayorkas. The whole Congress, Republicans and Democrats, should be ashamed of themselves. The Democrats were selling out the way they have. The Republicans have less of an excuse, all right? But they have made this country look weak, inept, incredible. This, what's taking place at the border is a disgrace. This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my goodness. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. Start here on the hardwood at the Garden last night. Jalen Brunson went off with 41 points, 8 yeah. rebounds, and 8 assists, leading the Knicks to a 113-109 victory over the Washington Wizards. How did uh, Julius Randle play? I think he had uh, 28, maybe? Oh, no, great. Yeah, right. no, no, uh, yeah, I believe so. So I think they've lost just twice since the um, Richard Jefferson... Richard Jefferson, excuse me. Yeah. R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel yeah. Quickly deal, right? Right, the uh, Anunobi deal. Yes. Right. Uh, I believe so, and uh, he's played great on only two games, such a small sample size, but Brunson has played great since he's been back from that injury. Uh, tonight in L.A., the Nets, they'll return to the court to face the Lakers. That action scheduled for a 10.30 p.m. tip-off. Now to ice hockey action last night. The Rangers got handled easily by the Golden Knights. Final score, 5-1. to one You know, it is worth Vegas. mentioning with the uh, Rangers. Mm-hmm. They started the season... 16-4 and four. in their 19 games since, excuse me, 20 games, they're 9-10-1. Yeah, they have not been playing great as of late. And 20 games is not a small sample. So no. first 20 games, 16-4. and four. Last 20 games, 9-10-1. And, and Chesterkin not having a great year. No. So I'm, um, I'm nervous about the Rangers again. Yeah, I mean, just about every time they lose, it's by about four goals. Four and they're getting killed. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and it's always Shesterkin in net. So not a coincidence at this point, I don't believe. Tonight in Columbus, the Devils return to the ice to face off with the Blue Jackets. That action scheduled for a 7 p.m. puck drop. And finally, looking ahead to the NFL Divisional Round playoff action coming up this weekend, starting tomorrow at 4.30 in the AFC. The four-seed Texans will visit the one-seed Ravens as nine-and-a-half-point road dogs before the NFC takes center stage with the seven-seed Packers in San Fran to take on the one-seed Niners at 8.15. San Fran heads into that one as nine-and-a-half-point favorites. On Sunday, the NFC will kick off the action at 3 p.m. with the four-seed Bucks in Detroit to face the three-seed Lions as six-and-a-half-point road dogs before the AFC takes the reins with, in my opinion, the game of the weekend, the three-seed Chiefs with Patty Mahomes playing his first-ever road game in Buffalo against Josh Allen. Your opinion. And the Bills. I'm not allowed to have an opinion. No, it's stupid. Everybody feels that way. It's, oh. not, it's not even debatable. Well, okay. okay. You got the Chiefs and the Bills, in my opinion, like you're breaking news here. Yeah. Are you <laughs> well, a moron? Of course okay. it's the most important but, game. But technically it is my opinion. Right. But, okay, fine. It's, a, it's an opinionated thing. It's right. a, you know.
know, it's not, it's yeah. not technical. Like, if we're going to get technical about it, you know I'm what I'm begging saying? you to shut up. I'm just begging you. <laughs> Has anybody taken into account the, um, the snow in Buffalo before kickoff, 6.30 Sunday night? They're expecting another, another 9 to 18 inches of snow in oh. Buffalo. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, listen, if you're going to play home games in the playoffs in Buffalo. Especially Buffalo, yeah. yeah and the uh, Mahomes and the Chiefs, they've never played a, a road game in the No, NFL they have not. Playoffs. So we're going to see how that works out. That kickoff's after yeah. 6.30 p.m. on Sunday night, Buffalo. It's, By the way, I doubt it's been favorites. calling for like 40 minutes. Well, if you stop talking to me, I'll be able to pick up the phone. Why can't Lewis pick up the phone? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, you're making I guess he's doing bold, something. Well, I'm you're doing making something. these bold comments like, in my opinion, the Bills and Chiefs. <laughs> it's not a bull- <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, Bill's that into that one. Three-point favorites. That's sports sponsored by P. Morgan to Pillars Boilers. Go to PillarsBoilers.com. Pavilion Tankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. If you had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients, and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Law, where winning is no accident. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. Entertaining and informative. This is sit in friends in the morning 77 WABC Stevie Nicks, 6.50 on your Friday morning. Big, big show coming your way today. Curtis Sliwa, Andrew Giuliani, Judge Andrew Napolitano now live in studio. 8.15 every Friday morning. We'll talk to Gordon Chang and we'll talk to Joseph Tacopina. But we start with another great defense attorney right there with Tacopina. Both poly prep boys. And that is the great defense attorney, my dear friend, Arthur Idala. And I was in the gym yesterday, and I received a text, Lewis, from our guy Tim McCarthy, who texted us 
during the show yesterday. He does that often. Former program director here at WABC, former program director at ESPN New York. He started that station. He loves his show, Timmy. Loves it. And he loves the music. And then it turns out, ironically, he was with Idala yesterday, and Audie sent me a very nice picture of him and Timmy. I have no idea why they were together, what they were doing, but uh, here he is, my man, Arthur Idala. Audie, good morning. What's happening, pal? I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not saying this because he's probably listening, but like Tim's a legend. I mean, he is. He's a, a legend in the, the world of, of broadcasting. Am I wrong? No, he's an absolute legend, 1,000%. And I'll always be um, loyal to him because he's been great to me. And, and don't forget, he offered me the job. He really did offer me the job many, many years ago, one to three on ESPN New York, leading up to Michael K. His vision was I would do that two-hour show. Eventually, Michael K. would just go back and do the Yankees. And i go up against Mike Brancetta. And he offered me the job and went as far as the program director there until some guy at ESPN named Mo Davenport killed the deal. But Tim McCarthy has been my guy for 20-plus years. Yeah, now he's, I mean, you, you know, you asked me why. I, I, we just went to lunch for really for no reason, just because he's that guy. He's a great guy to hang out with. I was introduced to him, like, through, like, five different people, from Paul Carlucci at the New York Post, Jerry Crowley, who runs AM970, and his John Katsimatini's good friend. Like five different people, like you don't know Tim McCarthy. This was I don't know years ago, and we've just maintained the relationship. And of course, yes, not only was he talking about you and bragging about your show, but he's he's very much into the music, as am I. So uh, so you know, keep up the good work there, Sydney. And oh, and then I'm working last night, and uh, your friend from a hundred years ago, Bruce Sharrett, calls me. And he goes, "Let me tell you what I just did." I just called Sydney and thanked him so much <laughs> for his support of Israel. And I want me, you, him, and Takapita to go to a poly prep reunion dinner. He goes, it would be a beautiful thing. I said, that's not a problem. You don't have to ask me twice. So, you know, I don't know. Oh, and then I got to speak to the beautiful Danielle Rosenberg yesterday. What a so, day. You, know, you, were, you were a little <laughs> omnipresent in my life there, brother. <laughs> yeah, Danielle is great. But Bruce Charrett, he did call me last night. And for folks that don't know this, so uh, we had a carpool when I went to Poly Prep, and one of the kids was a guy named George Small. His father drove us once a week. My late great father, Harvey, drove us once a week. Joseph Tacopino was in the same carpool, believe it or not, dating back about 48 years ago. And his father, Cosmo, drove us. And then you had Bruce Charrett. That was the four, Sid Rosenberg, George Small, Joe Tacopino, and Bruce Charrett. Bruce went on to become... You know, a comedian and a big-time agent in Los Angeles, and I guess he was one of the guys involved with you here at the Friars Club. And I haven't seen Bruce in probably forty-seven years, but he oh, did really? call me. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. He, yeah. he, he looks very good. He's. I uh, he used to be really he, fat. He's not fat anymore. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know that's uh, you. You like uh, you were a little more less, a little less uh, <laughs> dignified about it than I was. Yeah. No. 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 He looks great, and it would be a great time. Listen, before I lose you, Sydney, and here's because. I know how much you love this city. First of all, I'm sorry I'm a little tired, but I got home last night. I worked in the office till super late. I got home last night, and look, you, Sydney, you have taught me that, you know, the number one in, in radio is, was Stern. And in terms of New York talk radio, you are definitely number one, bar none. But there's this guy who John Katsimatidis was smart enough to put on from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m., and I think you will agree, has an unbelievably awesome show, Frank Morano. 
So when I get home I and I put un- on... I think unbelievably awesome is a bit of a stretch, but it's a very no, good no, no, no. Dude, you know what last night was? <laughs> last night was ask Frank anything. Oh! And the callers get to ask him anything. And I got sucked into that. I wound up listening to WABC until about 2 o'clock this morning. But here's what, here's what I need your help with. Here's what all, and I'm being very sincere. I am really being very sincere. All New Yorkers need your help with. I know, you know, how you use Eric Adams' target practice, okay? But well, that's not true at all. Eric, in fact, well, was, on, Eric was on this show for 30 minutes. In fact, everybody in this city read it. If you go to the, um, they posted the interview at NewYork.gov. He was on for 30 minutes on Tuesday. And just last Wednesday, we did an event together at the uh, Hunt and Fish Club. So Curtis, Curtis, Curtis absolutely uses him as target practice. I do when it's deserved. There are times I give him credit. And there were times lately where I beat him up because, quite frankly, if I'm going to be honest. Did you see who announced yesterday they're running against him? Arthur, uh, Andrew Cuomo? No, 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 no. That, Andrew Cuomo, that, that's not a bad. We'd be okay. No, Scott Stringer no. has announced now that he's going to run against him. Now, you know, there's all those bad words you use on the radio that get my mother upset. You could save those for Scott Stringer. <laughs> now that Scott Stringer's running, you know who else is going to run? Your friend, Jamani Williams, okay, my, who lives with my neighbor here at Fort Hamilton. And the floodgates are going to open from the left of Eric Adams to be the mayor of the city of New York. And then we're in big, big trouble. Oh, then we're in so, trouble. Oh, then we're in trouble because it hasn't been bad enough with your two friends, de Blasio and Adams. I mean, look, it's very simple, uh, Artie. He's going to have to step up. He's going to have to start blaming Biden, not the national government and the federal government. He, and he's to do, you know, he's going to at some point to, to really gain the confidence of all New Yorkers, not just Democrats, uh, Republicans, including me. He's going to have to get much, much tougher than yelling and screaming about money and how we can't do it anymore and putting kids in high schools. He has not done a good job with this. That is the bottom line. He was at the front of the line to get these people here a year ago, and now while he's yelling and screaming it's too much at this point, it's too late. And when he's got the opportunity now to really, really vilify Joe Biden and the Democrats, he doesn't do it because it is becoming increasingly clear that he's got aspirations in the Democrat Party to further himself, and you cannot put that ahead of the city. And he has okay, done that. So, uh, listen, I, I, I know you have a good relationship with him. Uh, I, don't know, I tell him this. Guy. I tell him this. So, yeah, okay. But does, does he tell you what, what they tell him when he does that? Oh, I don't care. I, I'm, I'm so tired of hearing what they tell him. And don't forget the FBI raided his house. And if he really pisses off Joe Biden, his, his uh, donors, off, if he really pisses off Joe Biden, it could get worse. And then, of course, uh, I had to hear what, uh, what they told him in Albany. I'm so tired of hearing what people tell him. Take a page out of Donald Trump. Don't give a rat's ass what people tell you okay. or, or the well, criticism. Right. So Go let, out let, there and kick ass. One, one guy is a billionaire president. The other guy probably has like $14 in the bank. Oh, no, no, no. Be careful. He's got a lot more than $14. Money is not an issue for Eric Adams, trust me. But if he wants to win, if you're worried about Jumani Williams and Stringer and the rest of these clowns, and you should be worried, he's got to be a lot tougher, a lot tougher, and stop trying to appease everybody because when you do that, like Nikki Haley, you appease nobody. Okay. Here's, here's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. When he goes to see Schumer, 
when he goes to see Hakeem Jeffries, right? So from Brooklyn, New York, we have the head of the United States Senate and the, the Democratic head of Congress. And when he's like, guys, I need some bread, you know what they tell him? Eric, shut up. Heard, Shut up. Yeah, heard this Be already. a good Democrat. Sure, I've heard this. It's the truth. You know what no, you heard? It's it? not the truth. the truth. Not the truth. Not the truth because okay, uh, I have other men. Try to merge him in right now. I Go have on. other. I don't care what he says. I know better. I know how it works. I have other mayors on the sh- on the show. Mayors that were successful. Oh, it's a different time. Stop. Stop. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You're telling me when Giuliani was mayor that Clinton was writing him checks to help New York City? I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is he went to work every day, Rudy, and didn't give a rat's ass what anybody else thought. And he would blow the damn place up if he didn't get what he wanted to get. And Eric doesn't do that. Doesn't even come close to doing that. Yes. Well, you're, yes, of, yes they have very Okay, well, there's a difference. That's why you have one great mayor and one guy who's not very great because he's too worried about everybody else. I want to move off the mayor. I want to ask you about uh, Tom Kniff. He called me on this show a couple days ago. Dear friend and a tremendous attorney, tremendous attorney. And, of course, you know, Artie, he's representing Daniel Penny. So he actually called me that morning on the way to court. And um, he said, you know, we're going to try today, me and Razor, with all these motions. We're hoping, at least, that the grand jury dismisses this. But he made it very, very clear that that almost never happens, almost never happens, and he did not anticipate that was going to happen the other day anyway, and it didn't happen. But he said, look, when this trial starts, which now looks like early September, he goes back to court in March, he feels like he's got overwhelming evidence that's going to clear Daniel Penny. What do you know about this case? Well, I know a lot. I know a lot about this case. I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave it. That. I'm very close with Tom for over 20 years. Um, here's what the overwhelming evidence. It's no secret. It's in the motion papers that that are filed. Um, the other, the vast majority of the other people, you know, this is a self-defense case, right? So the and, and self-defense has two prongs. Whether um, that particular individual, Daniel Penny felt like his life was in danger. So he probably, if not definitely, is going to have to testify and say, this is why I thought my life was in danger and this is why I acted that way. And then the other prong that has to be proved, this goes back to Bernie Getz. Bernie Getz made the law on this. The other uh, prong that has to be proved is, would a reasonable person in that situation also feel like their life is threatened? So if a guy comes on the train and farts, and a guy comes in and chokes him out, and he says, well, I thought he was going to kill me because he farted. Well, you may pass that test, but nobody else on the train thought the guy was going to kill him because he farted. But here, <laughs> they're going to have, they are going to have a lot of witnesses, not one or two. Many people on that subway car are going to testify that not only did, were they in fear of their life from the deceased, but that they looked at Daniel Penny as a hero who saved them, in the same way they would look at him if he was a uniformed police officer right. who conducted himself the same way. And look, this case, as many others do, if not all of them, it all comes down to jury selection. Yep. Who are going to be those two, 12 people? Are they people? And here's the one good thing. As liberal and as left as Manhattan is, Manhattanites, and you know this better than I did, you've, you've lived there longer, they ride the subway. No matter how left they are. Right. They ride the subway, and when those nut jobs come on and your stomach drops and they're screaming about some wild subject, and you're like, 
Hmm, let's see, I'm an accountant, and I've never done a push-up in my life. <laughs> yeah. You'll get uh, crap in your pants. And, well, well, you, you know, know and, and to well, have a guy like that step up and save you is a big deal. Those twelve jurors say, "Listen, uh, if that was me in that car, I'd be so happy that this guy." Well, well, to your point, you know, scumbags like Alvin Bragg, he's a scumbag. Um, Al Sharpton, he's a scumbag. Even the mayor, who's not a scumbag, but to a certain extent, in this deal, turned out to be a little bit of a scumbag too. When he started comparing his son to Jordan Neely, Eric, please give me a break. Uh, they try to make this race, but guess what? One of the first ladies that stepped up and said, Daniel Penny saved my life, African-American, and one of the men that helped Daniel Penny get Jordan Neely to the ground, African-American. So if they want to make it about race, which is ridiculous, there are two major players that are African-American that will defend Daniel Penny. One more, about 60 seconds to go. Uh, we just talked about the Rangers and the Knicks. Kind of a renaissance winter here at Madison Square Garden, Audi, for the owner, James Dolan. But then it comes out last week that he's involved in some some case similar, if not akin to, Harvey Weinstein. What is going on with James Dolan? Well, real quick, I mean, you know, I never, like, smile about anyone else's grief, and that's grief for him. But, you know, Mary and my wife and I and little Arthur were walking into Radio City Musical to see the Rockettes, and I get through, little Arthur gets through, and they grab my wife, and they go, you know, aren't you the lawyer from the law firm who's suing us about Madison Square Garden? And they said, James Dolan had my wife thrown out of Radio City Musical. You would have wow. probably punched somebody in the face. Yes. You know, I wow. just kind of handled because my seven-year-old was there. But basically, look – I, I hate to say this because I don't want to defend Dolan, but there's so many money grabs. We have opened up the spigot and tell and told everybody, men and women, you want to grab some bread? You just you need some money. You're down on your luck. You need to get help pay, pay on the mortgage, paying the mortgage. Go to these three or four law firms because they'll take you no matter what you say. You can have a heroin needle hanging out of your arm and a crack pipe in your mouth. But if you say 40 years ago. Sidney Rosenberg grabbed my butt, and I've been in shock, and I haven't been able to get a job, and I can't work. And he's this big, famous, very rich, number one morning show host. So please send him a letter. You get a letter saying, hi, my name is so-and-so Esquire. This girl from 40 years ago says you grabbed the butt. And if you don't settle with me in the next 10 days, the whole world is going to call you a pedophile or this, that, and the other thing. You call me and say, Artie, if this gets out, Katsimatidis is going to fire me. I won't be able to get hired. What do I do? I go, so the only way to do things is we got to cut her a check and keep her quiet so you keep your job. And it can be absolute BS. But it, a guy in your... Well, here's a, here's a good news for me. And uh, why you continue to use me in these hypotheticals, I just don't know. But the good news well, for me is uh, <laughs> I'm anything but rich. So um, you can sue well, me, but you're not getting any money. That's not, people, that's not what people on the street think. Like, I know, they're morons. Billionaire. I know, I know. He's the number one show on the yeah. planet Earth. Yeah. He plays all this great music. Tim McCarthy <laughs> loves him. Of course they're going to come after you. Yeah. Well, I should be rich, but I'm not. Uh, at any rate, you are, and you're rich in uh, in a variety of categories, not just money, but uh, obviously smarts, and you're a wonderful guy. I love your mom and dad. I do. So uh, I'm glad you hopped on this morning, even though you only had about two hours sleep, because you were great again. Author Idala, great right, job. brother. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the weather. Enjoy you the, uh, the beach in the snow. <laughs> this is Sit in Friends in the Morning. How many of us have
77 WABC. gets a disco song every week because he was out there at the underground and Xenon and where else was uh, the fun house? Pastels. Pastels. He did it all. The 2001. Gap you see, though, that was where John Travolta was in Saturday Night Fever. Burn Rubber on Me, the Gap Band at 718 on your Friday morning. So Arthur Idala was just on, and I love Artie. I love him. He's a great guest, great guest, and a tremendous attorney. But clearly, he's got friends that you despise. You don't dislike these people. You hate these people. So when Artie comes on and says anything nice about these people, your blood pressure goes up, and your face basically matches the color of your jacket and your beret, which is a very, very deep red. Did Artie say anything this morning, just moments ago, that you disagree with anything. Well, let me just say, as the <laughs> propaganda minister right. for Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens. And before that, comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, he and his wife stole one and a half billion dollars from Thrive. Hey, maybe Artie can research where the hell did that money go? And, of course, his recent matchup with Andrew Evilized Cuomo. Hey, Andrew, I send them a two provenos facin. And like your father, Mario, you are. That will drive his mother absolutely out of her mind. What an apologist. He's constantly sticking. Cuomo destroyed the state. De Blasio destroyed the city. And all of a sudden, Eric Adams is doing a rock bottom uh, on us. And you would say to yourself, Arthur, have you no dignity? This is what I suggest for your very dear friend, Arthur Idala, and Joseph Tapioca, a.k.a. Takapina. Takapina is not out there defending Eric Adams. No, no, no. But, no. but because you're polyprep boys, yeah. uh, and thank God your mother and father rescued you from that day school and put you in Solomon Schechter. But <laughs> he was talking about having a polyprep reunion dinner. Well, just the four people that were in my carpool yeah. every morning, which included me, Joseph Takapina, Bruce Charrett. He wasn't in the carpool, author, but he's he's a dear friend. Of course, because so. he had Jeeves in the stretch limo dropping him off at Poly Prep Day School. How about this? How about you guys get together and you have uh, Arthur Idala give the, coast, uh, the toast 
since he loves representing degenerates uh, and pervs like Harvey Weinstein. He's a lawyer. What do you want the guy to do? Somebody's got to represent these people. But this is for old times sake, and you know this uh, guy well. Joe Faglietta? That's right. He can raise (laughs) his wine glass and say to the most egregious pedophile football coach in the history of the gridiron, let's toast the pedophile on a pedestal down there in hell, Coach (laughs) Philip Poglietta, right? Well, it's close. He may not be the worst offender. That still may go to former Joe Paterno assistant Jerry Sandusky at Penn State, but... Faglietta was pretty bad, yes. By the way, and you... By the way, Arthur Idala did not play football. No, yeah. I did. Takapina did. Or Come he on. didn't. Have you seen Arthur Idala? Football? <laughs> are you kidding? That's Casper Miltos, right? He's the guy you smacked in the head, and he gave you the money right away. All you had to do is, I fornicate him and mad dog him. No, no, don't hurt me. Here's my money. Come on. You know, another kid who's an attorney now, too, who was one of my best friends. I had like three or four guys at poly prep. Artie was in the class behind me, don't forget, with my sister Elizabeth. My best friends were Joe Tacopina, Danny Fogliano, his father Frank, ran the Fulton Fish Market, and Gary Yeah, yeah I know all about. Gary I know Hannes. all about running the Fulton Fish you know Market. The, and, the Genovese uh, crime family, No, right? stop it, stop it. And uh, Gary Hanna was uh, part of our crew. Uh, Gary, who I think almost married Maria Bartiromo at one point, he's an attorney now, too. But you mentioned Pastels earlier, and Gary's father, Al Hanna, was one of the owners of Pastels. And Gary's brother is the character that, what's his name, uh, Matthew McConaughey played in the movie Wolf of Wall Street. It was Gary's brother who introduced cocaine to Jordan Belfort. Let me just say, the smartest thing your mother and father ever did was to get you the hell out of that cabal with all these liars for <laughs> hire, right? And get you over to Solomon Shetta. You realize what damage would have been done if you continue to remain uh, a Bali Press? I got news for you. You uh, would have been you would have been Coach Philip Fogliani's <laughs> butt boy. No, he didn't like me. I was an asthmatic. I had braces. I was too Jewish and nah, too you skinny. Were Jewish, that's right. I, I wasn't as tight. That, right. But I will say this: as I get set to make my trip to Israel, and now have become the one of the proudest Jews in the world, the kids at Solomon Shetta, bigger degenerates than Polly. They may wear a yarmulke and tzitzis and talus. They may go, you know, go to shul and davin. But these kids? Oh, Curtis, rough. Yeah, what were we going to do? Send you to Grady High School instead? Come on, give me a break here, Sid. <laughs> By the way, uh, the Curtis Lee tour of Israel, the Gentile tour, I've been giving you little tidbits if you have any time. It sounds like your schedule is going to be packed. But the first thing you have to do is this Saturday – you got to go to your bagel bender in Rockaway, the Irish Riviera, Muhammad. Because when you go to Jerusalem, you are going to hear amplified five times a day the call to prayer to the local mosques. Five times a day. What do you mean you're going to hear it? it? What do you mean you're going to hear it? It's on a boom box. The whole city hears it. Like, so, the, like church bells? Like, I, it's longer than church bells. You will be stunned. You uh, Knowing you, Sydney. You will be like, what? <laughs> yeah. Five times a day, the call to prayer, and it's amplified. So just be prepared for that. But if you do get a moment, and I think this would be good for your children and also your lovely wife, Danielle. 
you make the trip down to a lot, the Red Sea. Obviously, the Red Sea historically has uh, so much going on. It's where Charlton Heston fled. Yul Brenner, remember, Moses flees the Egyptians. Um, we, we've mentioned a lot about three times already this morning, dating back to 6 a.m., but I've been told that from where I'm staying in Jerusalem, it's like a four-and-a-half-hour trip. Well, not so. I think uh, Mr. Uh, Know-it-all here, Noam Laden, I Mr. Israel, couldn't have him more hopelessly wrong. Didn't take me four hours to get down to a lot. Anyway, gorgeous beach, Red Sea. You watch the planes coming in from French Morocco, right? People coming there. But if it's too pricey or they don't have enough room, you go right next door to Egypt. Great hotel rooms, much cheaper, Aqaba. Or you go, excuse me, uh, that's Charm Hell Shake. Or you go next door to Jordan. Aqaba, where I saw Tony Blair walking around because he had a second home there. No kidding. And then you can see the tip of Saudi Arabia. Yemen's right there. You're right in the middle of it all. And in the middle of the Red Sea, they have these huge speakers that are playing electronic dance music that are hoisted in the water. It is amazing. I, I would go there in a heartbeat, Sid. The courtesy with Gentile tour of Israel from the Golan Heights down to a lot. Well, you just made me. I wanted to go the whole time, and you're doing a great job with this Gentile tour until you got to the part of Yemen, because um, I don't want to go to the beach and have one of these Houthi bastards come over and uh, try well, to kill me. Wait a second. Yeah. You're with Danielle. There are a bunch of drop dead gorgeous French, Moroccan, I've Jewish women. Yes. No, no, no. Uh, let's take that off the list. Here. This, this will not be good for you. Your yeah. eyes will be glued to them. Uh, they will be hermetically sealed. These are some of the most gorgeous women That's in the what world. I hear. I Flying hear. right in I from France. That. French, Moroccan, Jewish yeah, women. Very dark skinned uh, and green I'm eyes. Ta- I'm taking that off of your itinerary here. <laughs> That, 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 I can't tell you how many men have gotten into trouble in a lot over the years. Uh, I'm going to spare you on that. And by the way, before you, this weekend, you better hurry up uh, for your photo op with Eric Adams, Swagger Man with No Plan. Hickory Dickory Dock, it's time for another Adams photo op with you and him. Yeah. Head up to the Bronx to Consofrito which is owned and run by Richard Caban, who is the brother of Eddie Caban, the police commissioner, run by Jimmy Rodriguez, who's always in double trouble, whatever empresario situations he's involved in. Remember Jimmy's Cafe, Major League Baseball set. You can't have anybody going there. They're dealing drugs. They're having shootouts there. You better get up there because they're going to padlock the joint. They've actually no licenses. They have avoided getting the building permits because Jimmy Rodriguez again said, I got it like that. And look, I got Eddie Caban's brother here backing me up. He's got the state liquor authority license. Better get up there, Sid, for your photo op with Eric Adams. (laughs) Party man extraordinaire. (laughs) Can I tell you how to get there? Westchester Avenue. It's in an industrial section. You'll love the crowd, Sid. They'll love you. Okay. Good food, I got to admit. The best Puerto Rican food in the city. And for you, everything will be free like it is for everybody. You get so excited. If there's any column, Daily News, New York Post, anywhere, that is critical, if not nasty, to the mayor and even the police commissioner, who, if I remember correctly, because you've been sitting next to me now for the better part of, I don't know, seven, eight months every day, doing a fantastic job, by the way, 
I remember when you were really outspoken about Eddie Caban being the commissioner. Yes, yes, I was. Now you can't wait to crush him at every opportunity. Tremendous disappointment. <laughs> Out funny. of town, Eddie Caban. No cojones, Eddie Caban. That's really what it's been. I'm telling you, he has just become the fluffy little yarn ball dog, lap dog, for Eric Adams, who pretends like he's the police commissioner, which he's not. This guy was 22 years a house mouse. When he was in the transit police, right, he was, I was a computer programmer. I was in the, the records division taking all the paperwork and putting it on floppy disks. How many collars did he make, Sid, huh? Huh, that's your very dear friend. Seven. Better get up to Consofrito, get that photo op so you can go into Jimmy Rodriguez's photo of the infamous and the irreputable. Do it now, Sid. Do it this weekend before they padlock the joint. And by the way, I am working on the trade. Uh, as I mentioned, I am now a part of, I guess you could call it, the three guys, uh, I give advice to John Katsimatidis and Chad Lopez on programming, and I'm trying to actually trade you for a whole station. <laughs> First on the block, I'm like Brian Cashman, it's W-I-O-D in Miami. Oh, I in Miami. love that station. The whole station. Got to oh, be traded for you. No, that, that, that weren't too much for me for the no, whole station. No, 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 no. Look, no. this would be the equivalent, I know you're thinking of this, when the Pirates traded Willie uh, Randolph to the Yankees for Doc Maddox. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. But worse, yes. this would be like when the Mets traded Nolan Ryan for Jim Fregosi Same California thing? Angels. I think uh, my friend Grace Blazer still runs that station. Oh, I know Grace. And I believe that former Miami Dolphin wide receiver Jimmy Seppolo Still does the morning show. Let me tell you something. W-I-O-D. Uh, I'm already in discussions with them. Just <laughs> leave it to me while you're away. And by the way, this sweater that you're wearing makes you look like an old Altacaca. <laughs> I know what it does. What the hell is this, I Sid? know it does. What, it are you does. ready for the retirement or, home? Or Huxtable, that uh, ridiculous character that's so I know, so but cousin. this is so unlike you. What's going on? Well, I can't wear my shams Willie DeMeo shirts every day. I understand know? that, but this is <laughs> like, oh, my God. I was cold. This is what they wear in the Midwest. When the Midwesterners come to yeah. West Florida, you know, Tampa, St. Petersburg, yes. Fort Myers, they always wear freaking sweaters. It's 80 degrees out there. Why are you wearing a sweater? Well, you know, I'm from Indiana. <laughs> you know, I'm from uh, Illinois. I'm from Iowa. I'm from Michigan. I'm from Wisconsin. Get rid of that sweater, sweater boy. It is so on uh, Sid Rosenberg. Doesn't work for you. And huh? that's a fashionista statement. It is not coming from Joseph Aboud. <laughs> Notice or, how great Kelly. Kelly. Notice yes. how he's... Uh, uh, stealing your guy, Joseph Aboud. He's smart. He's following in your footsteps. Yeah, but he did. And uh, Lou played this now, talking about Greg Kelly. He may be stealing or trying to steal Joe Aboud. You can't steal Aboud from me. But uh, I have to thank Greg Kelly because when he had Aboud on his show a couple of days ago, he made mention of me in very complimentary terms. Lewis, cut number 14. You dress, and you know, I I got to say, you, uh, Sid, mm -hmm. and you work together a great deal. And I got to say, yeah. Yeah. he always looks great, incredibly well-fitted. Um, well. And, and no, 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 it's, it's, it's interesting. And just when you are well-dressed, I think it does something to yeah. you psychologically, something that's, it just it gives a little pep in the step. See, that Greg Kelly giving yeah. me credit. Oh, Joseph Aboud is ashamed of you today. You, you should take a selfie, No, he would right? like this. Oh, he would like this. Oh, my Yes, he would God. like this. He's a big sweater guy. 
Likes the uh, the old dad look, sitting by the fire with a pipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Real waspy look, Sid Rosenberg. You're getting ready to go to Israel with a wasp that hated them for years, and now you're wearing a waspy sweater. By the way, I've got a present for you. I got your self tanner application. You may want to try a tan extender while you're there. I'm out to take care of you, and let me tell you this. That race involving Swazi and Mazi is neck and neck. And you saw how Swazi's folks, the DSA, busted up Vicky Palladino and Congressman King's meeting at the Whitestone Club in the American Legion right when Mazi of the IDF was speaking. Those Hamas crazies, those UT-supporting crazies, interfered with the democratic process of allowing candidates speak and in the hollow grounds of the American Legion. Hey, Swazi! You stabbed shit and Bernie in the back. I'll never forget that. When you said, oh, you know, oh, DeSantis may be right on that no gay bill. Two days later, you stabbed them and you bled them out. And now you better apologize because that was led by the DSA, AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the socialists. Are you a Maytag for AOC? Or are you going to actually grow a pair, Swazi, who hates ice and is pro-congestion pricing? A pox on you! And informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. So we tried to get this uh, on earlier. We couldn't find it. Now we've got it. There's a little bit that's doing very well on social media. They call it the Jewish Goodfellas. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love this. Little pretenders here, right, Chrissy Hines? Good stuff, boys. But before I play the Jewish Goodfellas and we get to Andrew Giuliani, a couple of months ago, Chris Libertini had this brilliant idea because Louis does really good impressions, really good impressions. And who knew that he does a great Joe Pesci? Now, I don't do a great Ray Liotta by any stretch, but I've seen Goodfellas enough. It's my favorite mob movie. I like it more than The Godfather. I'm sorry. I'm not 100 years old. You know, sorry. Um, But either way, it's fine. If you love The Godfather, great. So we did this uh, bit, one of the most famous, iconic scenes in the movie, and I play the part of Henry Hill, Ray Liotta, and Louie plays the part of Tommy, Joe Pesci. So this is me and Louis doing our best, Goodfellas. Take a listen. Sid and Friends in the Morning presents What If Sid Rosenberg Was in the Movie Goodfellas. <laughs> You're a pistol. You're really funny. Really funny. Funny. What do you mean I'm funny? It's, it's funny, you know. It's, it's a good story. It's it's funny. You're, you're a funny you guy. Mean? You mean the way I talk? What? It's just, you know, you're just funny. It's funny, you know, the way you tell a story and everything. Funny how? What's funny about it? 
Tommy, no, you got it all wrong. Oh, 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 Anthony. Ant- he, he's a big boy. He knows what he said. What you say? Funny how? Just what? 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 I just, you know, you're, you're funny. Let me understand this, because, you know, maybe I'm a little, I'm a little, puffed up, but maybe I, I, I'm funny. I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I amuse you. I make you laugh. I'm here to fucking amuse you. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How just, am I funny? How you tell the story? No, no, no. I don't know. You said it. How do I know? You said I'm funny. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. Get the hell out of here, Tommy. <laughs> you, you might, I almost had him. I almost had him. You stuttering Ricky. Frankie, was he shaking? Was he shaking? I wonder about you sometimes, Henry. You may fold under questioning. This has been what? So that's Louis doing Joe Pesci, and that's me doing Ray Liotta. And I thought it sounded pretty good, but this... This is what's running viral this week. This is the Jewish Goodfellas, which uh, goes back to that story in the tunnels where my people built those tunnels. The Jewish Goodfellas. But then it all came crashing down. Sal Sideburns got pinched and he spilled the beans on Mickey Menorah. Pretty soon the feds pinched everybody. Tony Tora, Polly Passover, Donnie Dreidel. It was all f***ed up. Even Manny Manischewitz sang like a cantor on Passover. His wife was so pissed when he got pinched, her wig flew off. She had all 17 of his kids line up outside the courtroom, hooting and hollering, making a scene. But it didn't do no good. We had it all, and now we got bupkis. All right, there it is, the other Jewish goodfellas. Donnie Dreidel, (laughs) Tommy Tora, and, uh, you know, Jimmy Kumash. Good stuff. All right, we we got Andrew Giuliani coming up next. Three or four more great guests along the way. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Well, big happy birthday out there to Robert Palmer. He's been dead for 21 years, but he would have been 75 years old today. Simply irresistible, as Lou Ruffino informed me of earlier. 7.49 on your Friday. Been a great show already. Both Arthur Idala and Curtis Sliwa terrific. This is a time we put aside every Friday for my man, Andrew Giuliani. Andrew Giuliani, good morning, my friend. How are you? Sid, good morning. It's uh, good to be with you. And I got to tell you, you know, last night at the uh, Moms for Liberty event, which uh, was really extremely well attended here on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, there were massive protests outside on the Upper East Side. 
And it's just awesome to see a group that's going to go out there and fight for our kids and fight for school choice. And it's sad to see so many New York politicians, instead of coming inside and actually having a conversation with these women that are pushing for their kids, that are pushing for school choice in a school system like New York City, which is completely failing. I mean, you're talking about reading and mathematics rates in the teens, in the proficiency rates in the teens. For city council members and the borough president to be outside yelling instead of inside having a conversation shows you just how disingenuous so many of these politicians are. Wow, can can you uh, name and shame who these people were, these politicians? Sure, the one in particular is Brad Lander. Brad Lander was out there yelling from the you know top of his lungs, saying that Moms for Liberty is uh, you know anti LGBTQ, anti trans, oh, that, that they're that they're enough. fascist. Now here's the thing: when they call them fascist, I think this is one of the funniest things in the world. Moms for Liberty and groups that are pushing school choice, you know, they're actually pushing to have less government control over their kids' education and their kids' lives. I wouldn't call that fascist. I would call that the opposite of fascist. Right. They're looking for more choice, more parental choice. But, of course, they yell at you like you're a fascist yeah. and this and that. So yeah. I'm, uh, I'm very, very happy that a group like this is willing to come into the belly of the beast in Manhattan and still, uh, and still tell their stuff. Is your wife, Z, part of that group? She, she is. She, okay. is, uh, she was there last night, I should Good. say. She is not a... Uh, we don't have a Manhattan chapter. You might have given us a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys should start it. I mean, this guy, Brad Lander, he's the controller. He's such an, an asshole. He's such a yeah. loser. He's uh, one of the names that you hear being mentioned about the possibility of running against Eric Adams for mayor, but he's a loser. Now, now if I uh, saw this correctly, because I don't spend a lot of time on Twitter anymore or X because I hate it. These are the lowest forms, the dregs of humanity. But I think I did see that they were heckling you specifically, Andrew Giuliani. Yeah, I had a few Bronx jeers, but I gave it back to him there. I told him right at the top there, God bless Moms for Liberty. God bless America. Thank you guys for being here and tell us what you need to say. But we're going to go over here and actually care about our school kids. Unlike you, who's just out there yelling. At a building. That's what they were doing. They were yelling at a building last night instead of actually having a legitimate conversation. You know, you know I had uh, the mayor, Eric Adams, on, Andrew, a couple of days ago. And he was very nice. He was on for about 30 minutes. And at one point I was complaining about these pro-Hamas, these pro-Palestinian protests, you know. And he actually referred to New York. You can't make this up. He referred to New York as a city of protests. Because almost every day somewhere, there is some group protesting that, to be honest, these groups that protest usually are disgusting, grotesque people out there for all the wrong causes, including Brad Lander and these pro-Palestinians. You know this because you're tied with Vicky Palladino. A couple of days ago, I think in Queens, Vicky Palladino and uh, Peter King and Mozzie Pillip we're having some some town hall, and these pro-Palestinians somehow got in there and literally stopped the whole meeting. How does that happen? He's right, Eric Adams. New York is a city of protests, and that's one of the reasons why the city is falling apart. Well, and that was at the Whitestone Republican Club, which is one of the best Republican clubs in the whole state, and Vicky's done a great job at getting that thing to where it really humming. I mean, it's been unbelievable. So the fact that it happened there just shows you that it can almost happen anywhere. I love how the Whitestone Club ended up dealing with it, though, just, you know, dismantling it. It was, it was really great to see it. But you're right. And part of this is the empowerment of these protests 
that take over city blocks and that move wherever they want, basically, uh, without any care for other New York citizens or for emergency vehicles, right? You can have the sidewalk in some of these cases. And look, it may be a pain in the butt to be able to listen uh, at people telling you to go after yourself and this and that, but that is their First Amendment right. And and, and I, I defend their constitutional First Amendment right. Oh, God, right. I, don't I, 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 I don't. I'm tired of it. You have, you have to, though, because the truth is they'll lock you up if you don't. Ah, do I, I, I know. The, the, I know. The, the, the judge tells you know what, me the same. Look but, at what they're doing to our buddy Donald Trump. I know. The, you, but there's a case in point. The judge tells me the same thing, but it's just gotten <laughs> it, it's gotten way too carried away. I just every night in this city, every night is another bunch of a group of douchebags out there yelling and screaming about a cause that, quite frankly, is grotesque. It's gone completely crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> Said this is what would actually slow it down. This would would actually take the oxygen out of the balloon. Is if you make sure that they can't actually get in the street. They shouldn't be in the street. They have the sidewalks, and they should be applying for these permits that which I don't think they're actually doing with the city. So that's probably one thing the mayor's office could do is check through those permits, make sure they're doing that, make sure they're going through the application process because other New York taxpayers deserve to know whether or not they can get by in this area or not, whether it could be potentially a public safety harm to them. But they can't take over the streets. You can't slow down EMS vehicles. You can't slow people getting to work, going back, potentially going to the hospital if they are, because lives are on the line if you end up doing that. So that's actually what the city can and the city should do. They shouldn't be giving them this. Uh, Again, look, I'm pro-First Amendment, and I know you are too, as as much as, as annoying as these people are. But they belong on the sidewalk, not on the streets where the cars are right there. And if you do that, you'll see this dissipate. And New York won't be a city of constant protest anymore, like the mayor seems to say. Annoying is uh, is a nice word. I distinctly remember during BLM protests, I lived on the Upper West Side, people getting physically abused and beaten up. I remember not that long ago, uh, Jewish students locked inside a library in New York. So when you say annoying... Annoying is bad enough, don't get me wrong, but it's worse than that. A lot of these rallies now in protest are violent, they're nasty, they're scary. Yes, you're absolutely right. And they they become riots, like you said. So when you let them heat up like this, when the protest, when the mob feels like they have control of the situation, and maybe not the NYPD, because they can move around, they can roam around anywhere, they can stop traffic, they can do whatever they want. Then you see the escalating behavior there. I mean, this is right out of, again, Broken Windows 101 right here, which is, you know, you've got to stop the actions, the illegal actions right where they start. If somebody throws a rock, you arrest them immediately. Another person throws a rock, you arrest them. And guess what? The third person is not going to throw that rock. But if you see people that are continually acting in illegal fashion, doing illegal behavior, breaking the law, you're going to continue to see people ramp up and up and up. And it's almost like a challenge, right? People now see on Twitter that a protest ends up, you know, moving through the the streets of Manhattan and they need to do better than that, right? They need to make sure they get better video than that. So it's got to be even more provocative than this and then that. So that's the difference here. That's how these things end up turning from legal protests where you can express your First Amendment beliefs as much as we may disagree with them to riots or to stopping EMS vehicles or or preventing New Yorkers from getting home to work to this. And that's where uh, it's completely intolerable and disgusting. All right, Andrew, let's uh, let's take a quick break. I want to get your thoughts on President Trump's 
performance in Iowa and what's ahead in New Hampshire. So let's take a quick break. We'll come back, continue this great conversation with Andrew Giuliani as the president breaks his state number two on Tuesday. More of Andrew coming up next. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. All right, let's continue our conversation here with Andrew Giuliani. Four days away from New Hampshire, Donald Trump delivering a serious ass beating to both Ron DeSanctimonious and Big Mouth Nikki Haley. And uh, now he got New Hampshire, and Trump is basically now just focusing on Nikki. Clearly, Ron DeSantis, not even a threat. I don't think Nikki's a threat either. I think Trump is wasting his time with her, too. But but that's what he seems to be concentrating on the last couple of days, is dismantling Nikki. How's that going so far, Andrew, for our friend, the president? Well, we're going to find out on Wednesday here in the New Hampshire primaries. I On, th- on Tuesday, I should say, in the New Hampshire primaries. Um, you know, I, I got to tell you, and I could give you kind of the, the typical analyst stuff on this, but one of the things that I dug into here a couple of days ago is how Haley matches up versus Biden and how Trump matches up versus Biden. Because I've heard the story that is that Nikki Haley matches up better than Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. So I decided to go actually do a dig and look at these polls and see – if the numbers actually backed up this narrative that the Haley campaign and some in the leftist media want to push out there. And the truth is, if you look at the last five polls that Nikki Haley and Joe Biden have been matched up against each other, Joe Biden wins four of those five polls. And this is over the last month and a half about last month and a half in that same time period, over a month and a half. Donald Trump and Joe Biden have been matched up against each other in 21 different polls, so many more polls. Donald Trump wins or ties 18 of those 21 polls. So he's win- – and remember, for a popular vote, vote, vote uh, poll, if you are tied, you're winning because of the Electoral College. So Donald Trump wins that race 85 percent of the time, according to these polls, where Nikki Haley – only wins 20% of the time against Joe Biden. So a lot of the information that I think Americans are getting that I was hearing for a long time and just kind of assuming if you don't actually dig into it about this, then you won't even realize that the numbers don't back up the Haley team's uh, claim that she is beating Joe Biden uh, at a more regular clip than Donald Trump would. It's just false. Yeah, well, it's becoming uh, increasingly clearer every day, and maybe that's the wrong word, clearer, but uh, certainly a possibility every day that comparing Trump to Biden, Haley to Biden, Andrew, may be a waste of time. Yeah. Because there is a healthy percentage of very, very, very smart people Mutual friends of ours, people like Roger Stone and Steve Bannon, who think it's going to be a different ticket, ain't going to be Biden and Harris. Instead, Michelle Obama and Newsom. Are you as um, as confident as those guys that the Democrats will find a way to oust Biden and run Michelle Obama? Well, I, I still lean toward that I think it's going to be Biden. 
Um, but, you know, he's one stumble away, and I guess you could say he's one push from that stumble away to <laughs> not being the candidate. And you stumbling around a whole lot these days. So I would say when I'm confident, I'm not confident at all, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, I, look, I, anything is possible with these radical leftists. When you see what they're doing, you know, I just look what they're doing to my father is a perfect example here. And so this is very personal, obviously, to me. But when you see what they continue to do to Donald Trump, to not even delay the trial one day so that way he could attend the trial and also be at his mother-in-law's funeral, I think shows you that uh, they have no humanity. There is absolutely no humanity when you're dealing with these people that are full of Trump derangement syndrome. So uh, I wouldn't put it over, and I certainly wouldn't go on the other side of what Steve Bannon and Roger Stone have said. (laughs) I can tell you, I've I've seen Steve Bannon make a lot of calls, and uh, he's he's one of the main reasons why we got Donald Trump as our 45th president. Can't argue that. And if we get him back at 47, once again, Steve Bannon will deserve a bunch of the credit. Andrew Giuliani, another great performance here on a Friday morning, buddy. Thank you so much. Enjoy the football this weekend. We'll do it again next week. By the way, it was very nice seeing you, too, at uh, Joe Esposito's funeral at St. Patrick's Cathedral a couple of days ago. And you and your father, the three of us stood out there in the sleet, the rain, the driving snow as a loaded Joe's casket into the uh, into the car. It was a miserable morning, yet it felt so right, didn't it? Such a such a New York hero. It, it absolutely did. And I got to tell you, his daughters did such an incredible, composed job. Uh, that one of the best that I've ever seen at St. Patrick's. And sadly, I've been to too many funerals yeah. uh, at St. Patrick's. But they really did such an incredible job uh, honoring, eulogizing their father, who really was a New York hero. I can tell you, going back to what we talked about in the beginning, uh, these protests in New York wouldn't turn to riots if Joe Esposito was chief of departments. Damn right they wouldn't. They'd go out there when they'd start beating these guys up. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew, great job, buddy. Thank you. We'll do it again soon. That's You're welcome, my man. Andrew Giuliani, always great on a Friday, setting up a great 8 o'clock hour. Yes! He starts today live in studio every Friday morning. The very handsome Judge Andrew Napolitano. And then you both, you guys have asked me to put him on all week long. You're finally going to get him. Donald Trump's former attorney, Joseph Takapina, will join me this hour as well. Napolitano and Takapina. Big Italian 8 o'clock hour. Keep it right here. Sid and friends in the morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. Now I've got myself lost 
Coffee in bed, 816 on your Friday morning. Snow on the way to New York. I've got friends in Jersey. They're getting pounded on the shore already. A friend of mine's already gotten four to six inches. So what be coming, folks? So we've had a great show already, starting, of course, in the 6 o'clock hour with Artie Idala, 7 o'clock hour, both uh, Curtis Sliwa and Andrew Giuliani. And now I am graced, and I mean graced, with the beautiful presence of one of the uh, best judges and TV personalities in the history of our business. I mean that. So Fridays, I guess, he goes and dusts up on Newsmax television, which is right across the street. So now he's going to stop in live with us in studio every Friday. This is huge. My friend, Judge Andrew Napolitano. Good morning, Judge Knapp. Oh, good morning, Sid. What a pleasure to be here. By the way, I love the sweater. You do. And I didn't notice last week. The American flag. I yes. did not notice that. I'm very happy. It's the only studio I've ever been in anywhere in the country that That's has an correct. American flag. And every morning, almost mornings, I do a preview by 5.30 a.m. Right. of the upcoming show. And I talk about the guests, some right. of the topics, and the American flag is video. It's right behind me. That's wonderful. Every morning, yes. Wonderful. We, we love America. We love Israel, too. I'm on the way uh, a week from tomorrow. So right. next week, all five shows from New York. Right. My flight leaves Saturday night into Sunday morning, 1 a.m. Sunday morning. I arrive around dinner time on Sunday, the seven hours ahead right. in Israel, and ready for my first show on Monday, January the 29th. I hope I can be on with you when you're in Israel. Yeah, we'll uh, work we'll it put, out. Yeah, we'll work it out. Yeah. But you've uh, you've met Bibi Netanyahu. Oh, gosh. So I'm uh, in the green room of O'Reilly's uh, studio. I walk in, and there he is. He's standing there. He pops up. Judge Napolitano, this is what the Jewish people want to know. <laughs> and he's about to hug me, and I go to hug him, and there's all kinds of bodyguards that are getting between us. He's swatting them away like they're flies. Now, you'll know when this was by what he said to me. This is what the Jewish people want to know. Is Michael Jackson innocent or is he guilty? Oh, that's oh hilarious. What the hell he's going to ask me? So I said, uh, Mr. Prime Minister, the evidence of guilt is overwhelming, but I don't think a California jury will convict him. May I report this to the Jewish people? Yes. Will you visit Sarah and me? Yes. I never took him up on that uh, offer. I'm kicking myself. Oh my I'm God. hoping the offer is still out there. Yeah, well, not now. Now, I had <laughs> yeah. met him a hundred, no, not now, of course. I'd met him a hundred times through the monitor, interviewing him from Fox, and a hundred times after that. But yeah. that was the only time I ever met him That's in awesome, person. Though. Yeah. That's great. That's a great yeah. story. It is a funny now, story. You, you know that the times were different. But yes. you could just kind of rap about Michael Jackson. Yes. And I know you follow it closely, but the talking about overwhelming odds, yes. the overwhelming odds are in the favor that BB going to lose his job here. I think so. Yeah. I think he's going to lose his job, and I'm sorry to say he may lose his freedom. 
I think the there's not, not only the prosecutions that were uh, put on hold after October 7th, but the investigations that will come uh, will all point at him. What do you mean investigations? I know his oh, wife is in some trouble, too. No, no, I don't I don't mean uh, that kind of stuff. I mean investigations of how October 7th happened and, right. and who was asleep at the they're, switch. They're intelligence he wasn't, Right, he failures. wasn't personally asleep at the switch, right. but he's ultimately responsible for those who were. Well, let's stay with that, because what we've seen since October the 7th is uh, ugly. Right here. Right here in yes. New York. The, the I next, heard. I heard. I was right in the other room listening to uh, you and Curtis and you and Andrew. Right. I mean, almost every day, despite Eric Adams' contention, it's not every day. It's almost every day. These people hijack our city, and they're not just annoying. They're nasty. Sometimes they get violent. When you've got Jewish students holed up inside a library because they're scared to death, uh, you know, I don't care, First Amendment or not. we got to figure out a way. We must figure out a way. Amendments don't kill people. They take people like this off the streets. Well, the First Amendment does not protect violence. The First Amendment protects speech. It, exp- it protects expressions that accompany speech. It does not give you the right to block traffic. It does not give you the right to terrify somebody. What about hate speech? Hate speech. Is, uh, you don't want to hear this. Ask Tecapina. Ask Idella. Ask Andrew Giuliani, hate speech is protected by the First Amendment. And the rem- I'll give you two reasons. The remedy for hate speech is not silence or punishment. It's more speech. The practical reason is we want to know who the haters are and where they are. Because if we suppress hate speech, it'll still come out, but it'll come out anonymously. I'd rather know who the hater is, and I'd rather neutralize them with more speech. George Napolitano live in studio. So you'll be across the street talking about our mutual friend, Donald Trump. And he's got so many cases oh, of poor man. guy going on. Uh, now, he was here in New York uh, this week as he was going back and forth to Iowa and New Hampshire dealing with E. Jean Carroll. Now, I don't believe E. Jean Carroll, not even for a second. And just so you know, I'm the type of guy that believes the woman. I was going to say, you usually do side with the women. Usually, Judge, 99% of the time, there is no question that this lady who's dug up after three decades with a ridiculous story of crowded Bergdorf Goodman is lying. And you know this, number two on that list that the jury sees. If they don't get raped, they go to the next charge. Correct. So now all of a sudden, he's a sexual abuser. Right. If the second charge was stealing cantaloupe, he'd be a cantaloupe I, stealer. I understand how you feel. They always include that lesser included. It allows the jury to compromise. So we're talking about the trial that was three or four months ago. He was The one he, that Joe Tacopino, your friend, won. One of the great cross-examiners of all time and one of the great uh, lawyers. I'm sorry he no longer represents the president. Uh and I think Joe's going to be here shortly after me. Joe did a great job, and the jury found that he did not rape her, but they compromised on this uh, sexual assault. So Trump is stuck with that. This new trial does not go to that. This new trial is only about how much harm did he cause her by the words that he used while he was in a press conference outside the White House. Why are they trying that now? Because of the same issue that's in the federal appeals court, immunity. Trump said, I was the president of the United States at a press conference. You can't sue me for what I say at a press conference. Took the courts three years to say, well, yes, because this had had nothing to do with your duties as president. Now he's confronting the other immunity issue, 
which is, is he immune from a prosecution for what he did on January 6th? Well, let's talk about that because I understand that the lawyers, even the judge, that Judge Pan, another friend of mine now, that they tend this to... This is another uh, lady that you don't like, even though you always side with the ladies. Correct. I hate her, in fact. Um, but you never heard of her before last <laughs> week. Maybe I don't always side with the ladies. I don't know. But, you know, I understand that they have to go to the, you know, the worst degree to prove their point. So in that immunity hearing, right. she talked about, so let me get this straight, Mr. President. You can do whatever you want. You can go out and kill, you know, assassinate the guy you're running against, which, by the way, Joe Biden is doing literally and figuratively every day. By putting Trump in court, he is assassinating the president without shooting him. But it was such a ridiculous hypothetical, I was hoping the attorney for Trump would come back and say, Come on, give me a break. That's exactly what he should have said. Instead, he fell right into her trap, and he said, yes, the president could order SEAL Team 6 to kill his adversary and never be prosecuted for it. That lawyer has become the laughing stock of the international, even friends of mine in Europe, the international legal community, because he didn't deal with it properly. And by doing that, he made the president's very legitimate arguments look ridiculous. It's going to be a hearing about Fannie Willis coming up about this improper relationship Yes, she had with the uh, the special prosecutor, sex, money, vacations, all the stuff you would think she would have done. But talking to smart people like you, Takapina, and others, she could be removed from the case. But that, that doesn't mean the case goes away. Correct. What Trump's got a better chance of winning. Correct. So w- when there's prosecutorial misconduct and it harms the defendant, like the uh, the government bribed a witness or the government uh, held back exculpatory evidence and then they find it. Well, that can throw the case out. But when there's prosecutorial misconduct in the prosecutor's personal life that does it doesn't affect the case, this, all this does is embarrass her. She's either going to stay there and embarrassed or they're going to remove her, but the prosecution will continue. It might be delayed a little bit if they change prosecutors, but it will continue. Are you as a guy that before you became this great media guy, and you are great, you really are, great on TV for many years, on Fox, Imus, you got your own podcast, which does very, very well, you're with me every week, but you're a big-time judge. So when you see, go back to Pan for a second, but fine, even worse, the way Lewis Kaplan, for example, conducts himself in a courtroom, but Donald Trump walks in, before he's even seen or heard one piece of evidence, he's guilty because I don't like him. Bottom line. And then he scolds him and yells at him, him and Hobble. When you see that, are you embarrassed for your profession? I am. If I disliked the defendant, I recused myself from the case, and I didn't say why. Did, did, did you really do that? Yes, because, because everybody is entitled to a fair trial and entitled to a trial that appears to be fair. It must both be fair and appear to the public to be fair. Those are the two standards. And if I had a personal animosity towards either side, the government or the defendant, I would call up the clerk and say, I'm recusing myself, send this to another judge. But, but it seems, and again, I'm just a guy. Right, I'm not a smart lawyer like my wife, Danielle, or a judge like You're you. You're pretty smart. I'm okay. It seems um, silly to me that we have to wait for the person to do that, because why would the judge want to accuse himself if he has the opportunity to hammer Trump and make sure he's guilty? So why isn't there a governing body or somebody else that looks at what's going on and says, I got to tell you, you got to go. Continue the trial and bring in somebody who at least acts like they're impartial. uh, That's a very good question. I don't know if Trump's lawyers asked him to recuse himself at the outset. If they failed to do so, 
They they waived. Well, they, they gave they, up their opportunity. But, but don't forget, George. They did ask the female judge in D.C. to recuse herself. Right. She laughed at it. All right, but at least that's an appealable issue now because they they made the record. If they failed to ask about Judge Kaplan, and by the way, he's got a very good reputation. This this uh, nastiness in the courtroom, I have not seen it from of him prior to this. Uh, if they failed to ask for the recusal, they've given up the the that as an appellate issue. I know you're doing mostly Trump at Newsmax today, but the Bidens, there were still some legal issues there. In fact, Hunter finally agreed yesterday. Remember, he was going right. to be held in contempt because I'm not, I want to do this in an open forum. I'm not doing it privately. Now he's agreed behind closed doors. And guess what he's going to do? Please the fifth. Do? He's got to plead the fifth. He's facing three indictments. He would be crazy to discuss the substance of those so, indictments. So wait, so he's going to walk in to some room there right. with all these congressmen Correct. and just plead the fifth the whole time? Uh, yes. If he utters a word in an answer and waives his Fifth Amendment right, he would be insane. He wow. has an absolute Fifth Amendment right not to answer anything, as you would or I would. God forbid we were indicted and Congress called us in and tried to get us to discuss the substance of the indictment. So this is basically a charade. If the Republicans have dirt on the old man, let's get it out there. We need to know what it is. By the way, I don't think the old man's going to run. I'm with Curtis. I don't think the old man's going to run for you. Nobody does, not yeah. just Curtis. Uh, yeah. The only two people on this show that still think Biden is going to be there, or which Lowry and uh, Andrew Giuliani. Well, I respect them both, but I disagree with them. I I, I don't know if it's going to be... um, There's uh, only one other person. It's either Obama or Biden. That's it. Correct. That's it. So if you don't believe Biden is running... Then you're with Roger Stone and Steve Bannon, and that's Michelle Obama. If Barack Obama could run for a third term, he would give Trump a run for his money right now. Right. Mrs. Mrs. Obama, she might even be a stronger candidate because she's a woman. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. And the Democrats know that. Chuck Schumer's listening to us now and making notes. He's right across the street. You know know. that, right? (laughs) He He actually holds his press conference on that street corner right across the street every Sunday. I got to tell you a funny story. I'm on a plane. I am seated next to Al Sharpton. I am behind Bill O'Reilly, and I'm in front of Chuck Schumer. Wow. Schumer stands it's up. like the old joke. Sh- Schumer, it sounds like a Jew and an Italian, a rabbi and a priest walk into an Irish bar. So so Schumer stands up and goes, let's do a selfie. And and uh, and as Sharpton says, oh, my God, nobody will believe it. And O'Reilly goes, that's right, because we're not doing it. <laughs> So I love Bill O'Reilly. Hey, listen, it's great. I, I love that you're doing this because I love seeing you in oh, person. It's a lot of fun. It really is. It's I look forward to every Friday. God Me be too. with you on your trip to Israel. Well, I'll see you once before. Yeah, we'll see you next yeah, Friday. Next yes. Friday. You got it. And uh, next time, come with maple syrup. Don't ever come in empty-handed. Did you use it yet? Not yet. All right. All right. Yeah. When it's done, you let me know. All right. That's we're, ma- great... we're making more this month. How about that? Yes. Judge Andrew Napolitano does a great job with us every week. He'll be on Newsmax coming up momentarily. I love him. We'll take a short break. And famed defense attorney. Joseph Tacopina. Man, was he in the news this week. He's coming up next. We're going to talk to Tac. Get to some more black coffee in bed by Squeeze. Come on.
97 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the NFL's little engine that could, chugged its way past the wild card round on the way to a divisional appearance. They are off to Detroit to take on the Lions, who figured it was the first time they'd been here in 30 years. So why not stick around for a little bit? Houston Texans happily hit the road this week off to Baltimore for the divisional round after their rookie QB won his first playoff game in style. We're playing our best ball as of right now um, these last two weeks, last three weeks really. Now they face the daunting task of playing the top team in the NFL, the rested Baltimore Ravens. I'm proud of you. I'm bleeding. I'm so proud of you. Maybe Foreigner doesn't know what love is, but San Francisco is about to find out what it's all about. Green Bay riding Jordan to the divisional round. The seven seed Packers still alive, heading west this week to take on the top seed in the NFC, the rested San Francisco 49ers. All right, let's go now. It's personal with these boys. It's personal. They think they're coming here and taking us. No, they gotta get smacked on. The reigning champs, the Kansas City Chiefs, still alive to defend their crown. The 11, Mahomes. They're off to Buffalo. It's Mahomes versus Allen. Postseason Chapter 3. Josh roaring into the divisional round. Josh steps up, and he's going to get the first down. Oh, there he goes. No one's going to get him. Incredible. Breaks it for the touchdown. The road to Super Bowl 58. <laughs> oh, yeah. The road to Super Bowl 58. Las Vegas coming up Feb 11. You are looking live. You are looking live. I used to love when Brent Musburger did that with Irv Cross. And um, yeah, there were two good-looking ladies that were on that show way back when. The NFL today. Phyllis. Phyllis George George was the blonde, but the, the oh, brunette the was gorgeous. Oh no, there was. Yes. What was her name again? A well, very was, famous there lady, was Jane Ken- Jane Kennedy. Yeah, that was, was her. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. she was stunning. So we've been uh, talking about serious stuff all morning long. Obviously, Arthur Idalo, Curtis Sliwa. We just had the Judge Napolitano on seven forty. We had Andrew Giuliani on, but uh, you know, I was reared and raised on sports. And I'll get back to talking serious stuff. In fact, Gordon Chang will join us next hour, and we'll talk about all of it. China, Russia, the Middle East, all of it. <coughs> the Baltimore Colts. Yes, the Baltimore Colts. <laughs> but I um, I fear a lot of <laughs> slipping and snow in these games. It's snow like we have never seen. You think Gordon never watched an NFL game before? He probably has, right? It's hard to avoid an NFL I know, game, even if you don't like football. I don't think he has any interest. I, I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> These fields have never seen. They are decimated. Unimaginable peril awaits these players. We do have uh, four games coming up this weekend, and we will make our way to the conference championship play next week before Super Bowl 58 again from Las Vegas. Coming up in three weeks, the upstart Houston Texans with their great rookie quarterback out of Ohio State, C.J. Stroud, in Baltimore, taking on the team with the best record in the NFL this year. And that is Lamar Jackson 
and the 13 and 3 Baltimore Ravens, the one seed. That's a 4.30 start. Baltimore right now a nine and a half point favorite. And the later game on Saturday night about eight o'clock features the other one seed out of the NFC, San Francisco, taking on another upstart good young quarterback, Jordan Love. Fresh off demolishing the Cowboys in Dallas and the Green Bay Packers, taking on the Niners, also a nine and a half point favorite. Both home teams, both one seeds on Saturday, Baltimore and San Francisco, nine and a half point favorites. Then you get to Sunday, three o'clock game one from Detroit, the Buccaneers. John Katsimatidis is listening right now, right now from St. Petersburg. He knows about Tampa, Tampa led by Baker Mayfield, very, very big win over the Eagles last week, in Detroit, taking on uh, the tough Lions. They are tough. Dan Campbell's done a great job. Their quarterback, Goff, he's already been to a Super Bowl. He lost to Brady and the Patriots, but he's the real deal. Lions right now a three-point favorite. And then, of course, you get to the late game Sunday night. That is the marquee matchup of the weekend. Pat Mahomes and the reigning champ, Kansas City Chiefs, who've never played a road game before. They play games at neutral sites, obviously, Super Bowls. Never played a playoff road game before. In Buffalo, taking on the hottest team in the NFL, that's Josh Allen and the Bills. And right now the Bills are a three-point favorite. So two big games tomorrow, two big games on Sunday. Then we'll be down to just four. And next weekend we'll be down to just two. The NFL. Big, big weekend about to come your way. Before the great Joe Tacopina stops by momentarily, he's had a big week in the news. We'll get the latest on the roads. Joe Nolan, Joseph, what's going on, pal? Well, if you're heading on out, you've got uh, wet roads in a lot of places now from the Ray Katina Porsche traffic desk. The snow is making its way uh, through uh, central and into northern New Jersey. So as you travel around, watch out. Again, just basically wet road surfaces, although it, on the major roadways, on the secondary roads, it's actually starting to accumulate down in uh, the central part of New Jersey. So, again, as you uh, head out this morning, just watch out. It's going to get worse as the day goes along. Northbound on the parkway at 143C, you still have that right lane out. Biggest problem we have, though, right now is on the island on the Wonton Parkway northbound right at the southern state. Track trailer come along, hit the bridge there, slammed into it. Of course, he doesn't belong on the Wonton to start with, so that's the reason why he hit the uh, low bridge. So that's going to probably be there for a while. And then up on the sawmill, that earlier problem up by the digest has been cleared. We're starting to pick up some uh, pretty good delays now at the airports. First of all, cancellations around the country have uh, gone up uh, dramatically in the last hour. LaGuardia Airport, 13% of the flights coming in and out have been excellent. And also at uh, Newark, you've got about 7% that have been canceled. So check with the airline for individual flight information. Those statistics, by the way, from FlightAware. Experience the unmistakable luxury in a 2024 Porsche Macan lease for $899 a month for 39 months at Ray Katina Porsche in Edison. 5738 do it. Signing qualified buyers, tax licensing, registration, extra details. RayKatinaPorsche.com. I'm Joe Nolan with traffic. Talk Radio 77, WABC. You know, Kevin Breslin reminds me, I still think of the NFL as a 16-game season. I'm old enough to remember the 14-game season, but uh, it is 17 games, and the Ravens did have 13 wins, but they went 13-4, and four, not 13-4. and 
three. And I called them the Colts. And you called them the Colts. That's yeah. how old I am, too. Yeah. That's why we're here now, you and I, and no longer at the fan. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we could do a show there today and get big ratings. Oh, last night. Oh, that's actually <laughs> Rich. All right, we'll take a break. When we get back, we're going to talk to a man that was all over the news this week. I got more texts this week about Joe Tacopina than my trip to Israel next week. I swear to God. We'll talk to Takapina. He loves the Raiders. The Raiders. They don't play postseason football anymore, but I'm sure he'll be watching these four big games coming up. Famed defense attorney Joseph Takapina. Coming up next. Come on. Do this. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. ago, I brought Joe Theismann on the show, former great quarterback of the Washington Redskins. Theismann actually took the skins to two consecutive Super Bowls, a Super Bowl 17 win over Miami. And then he got clobbered, his team did, by the L.A. Raiders. Super Bowl 18, Marcus Allen had a big day, but Theismann threw a pick right before halftime to a guy named Jack Squirek, who returned it for a touchdown, and Squirek died about two weeks ago, and I brought Theismann on the next day. But that was a Raider team that won the Super Bowl. They they had one uh, out of Oakland. No, that would have been yeah earlier with uh, Kenny King, Rod Martin, Jim Plunkett, when they beat Jaworski and the Eagles. I mean, look, between John Madden, Kenny Stabler, Tom Flores with Plunkett, that team was, uh, and the Ra- LA Raiders, that team was a perennial powerhouse, and... No, those days are over. So. But that's Takapina's favorite team. I mean, I think it is. Are you still a uh, a Raiders fan? It, yes. Unfortunately, I am still a Raiders fan. My three boys, Chris, Matt, and Joe, often say to me, Dad, why did you do this to us? Um, <laughs> yeah. They're Raiders fans. And I explained, you know, when they were born, the Oakland Raiders were the winningest franchise in all of sports. That's not the case anymore, obviously. No, it's so, not. No. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Al Davis is no longer here. Let's put it that way. His kid, Mark Davis, I think you know him, don't you? You know Mark Davis? I do. I do know Mark, yes. Has he ever? No, I know you represented Daniel Snyder. He was a complete disaster as the owner of the Redskins. He's gone this year. But I don't think you've represented Mark Davis, did you? No, it's not about representing Mark. Mark and I have spoken about some legal issues that he had and, and some things, and we just sort of became friendly um, over the years because I 
go to a lot of these Raider games, um, and and I've gotten to meet him many times. And and you know, look, he he did some great things. I mean, he got them a stadium, uh, basically paid for by the state of Nevada for the most part. Yeah. Um, that, that's unbelievable. But you know, we have to do something. The, these hirings are ridiculous. Josh McDaniel last year. I mean, was the most incompetent, worst thing I've ever seen happen to the Raiders. And they've had some bad ones. Now, here's what can't happen. They can't screw it up again. They have a guy, Antonio Pierce, said who you know, who's a, a, a born a Raider. He's from there. He's he's has that edge to him, that, that sort of, you know, badass thing going on. That was the old Raiders under Madden. We need that. And, and Max Crosby's going to flip if they don't resign Antonio Pierce, because I heard they might talk about Harbaugh. And if that happens, that's the end of my Raiderdom. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I despise Jim Harbaugh because he's, he's a no good, not honest cheater and someone that I've had interactions with when he was recruiting my son Joe to play there. And it's uh, not, not – I could never root for a team that he coaches. He's a winner. Uh, he won the last one. Yeah. You know, before the, he, he, he also won, coached the four, he also coached the Forty ers to a Super Bowl when he made that gutty yeah, move won. to replace Alex Smith with Colin Kaepernick. He also had Andrew Luck and Stanford playing in major bowl games. He's a winner. Yep. Well, yes, his teams win. I agree with you. What else do you um, care about? What do you care? People person. cheat. What do you care? People cheat. You're not representing them. Well, no. When you're when you're not a fan of that team and they cheat, oh, oh, oh I see. Yeah. Right? Oh, come on, who are you kidding? You, right. th- you think it's a green light, so everyone should be able to cheat in pro sports? I don't care if they cheat. Listen, see, ah, here's the difference between me and guys like you and Chris Russo. I don't care. I don't care if you take steroids. I don't care if you cheat. I don't care what you do. I root for so a team. I win. want to win a championship. If you cheat to win, you're okay with that. Of course I'm okay with that. Who nah, doesn't cheat to win? Nah, that's what? Not sports, what? Bro. Pro- oh, get out of Joe, stop okay. it. Joe, welcome to 2024. That's not sports. They all cheat. They cheat financially. They, 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 every single team in every major sport and college. You think Miami doesn't cheat? Are you nuts? Yeah, I do. I do think Miami doesn't cheat. Miami doesn't send scouts wearing other teams' equipment, manager uniforms oh, on their sidelines to scout the other team. Nobody. Well, does maybe that. they should. Maybe they wouldn't Nobody be some. Maybe they. Team. Maybe they should. Instead of being a lousy team in the ACC, they can win championships. Oh. Okay, we'll see what happens. I told oh, you. Yeah, 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 I told you last season yeah, yeah. they're winning the championship for three years. Yeah, we just got yeah. Cam Ward, brother. Yeah. He's a Heisman Trophy candidate Please. quarterback. The season is going to be different now. Yeah, You're okay. going to see. You're going to see. Joey, I understand. I went to that school. I've been hearing that for I, 23 I know, years. I did sports yeah. talk radio down there for 23 years. I'm a Met fan. You know what? You know what words come to Met fans right away? Wait till next year. That means you're a loser. That's what that means. I don't want to hear about what next year. 23 years since Ken Dorsey and Butch Davis and Larry Coker and those guys were there. Yep, it's true. But Miami still has more national championships than almost any big college. Who cares? George Washington was president. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so listen to me. You know, uh, yeah. I, I unfortunately I marry teams that seem to do that. The Mets that comes from the Dodgers, by the way. That wait till next year comes from the Brooklyn Dodgers, which the Mets inherited that DNA. We could spend more money than anyone in the league, as we proved last year, and still be the Mets. So it's just you know it's the way it is, man. You can't be changing your teams based on their their level of success. If that'd be the case, I would never be a Raiders fan, and I wouldn't be for less twenty as a Hurricanes fan, and you know a Rangers fan. Although hopefully this year is going to be different. Um, but, yeah, you're right, man. You're right. 
We'll see about the Rangers. You know, after a 16-4 and four start, people don't realize this. In our last 20 games, we've won just nine, and the goalie is not the same. Yeah. But we're going to take a short break because the elephant in the room, Joseph, is what happened earlier this week between you and President Trump, plus a couple of cases I want to get to. So you stay right there, the best defense attorney in the world. Joseph, in the world. Joseph Tacopina. You're going to talk about why Trump is no longer his client and many other things as well. Tacopina back right after this. I got to go and you don't know how it feels. You don't know how it feels to be me. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. My friend Jake Glazer on with Brian Kilmeade earlier on Fox and Friends on Fox News. Glazer telling everybody that Bill Belichick is set to have his second interview with the Falcons. And for folks who are not familiar with how the NFL works, when you go for a second interview, you're very close to getting a job. So just saying, not not guaranteed, but Bill Belichick about to interview with Atlanta, the Falcons, for the second time. Let's get back to the best defense attorney in the world, my dear friend of 47 years, Joseph Takapina. Tak, if I had a dollar... For every text I got this week asking me if I knew what happened between you and Trump, which of course I do, uh, I'd be uh, a very, very wealthy man. And uh, I got to the point where I called you and I said, uh, I got to tell you, it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> I don't want to keep answering. <laughs> so uh, forget about what I don't know if you've, if you've done any other interviews or, or no in the no. papers. You've made no statements. Uh, so what is what happened? Uh, why are you no longer representing Donald Trump? Make it quick. We'll move on. Yeah, yeah. No, listen, and I've not spoken to anyone about it. I don't intend to because it was for personal reasons. I had my own reasons behind it. Um, you know, it was time. And and it's as simple as that. I'm not one of these $5 lawyers that are going to resign from the case, then go on television or, you know, try and have a platform to, to publicize what I want to say and start bashing people. I don't do that. It's not, it's not right. It's not fair. I wouldn't do it. And by the way, everything I've said when I was representing him, I stand behind. The, the brand case, I stand behind everything I said about that, the, the, all these cases. So it's not like there's been a change in, in my belief. It was just time for me, be, for various reasons, and a lot of them are personal, and, and, and they're going to stay that way, um, to move on. And it was simple as that. I mean, I have another trial coming up very soon with, with ASAP Rocky in L.A. It's a very big case. You know, he and Rihanna just have two little babies, and he's facing some significant time. Um, that's going to be pulling a lot of my attention. That case is going to trial this year. Um, and, and just some other legal matters that I had going on. Um, plus, you know, again, some, some reasons I, I will hold to myself and keep to myself. That's why I did it. It's as simple as that. All right, let's move on to, you know, you talk about lawyers and uh, somebody you have worked with over the years, and she works with Donald Trump, Alina Haba. She, oh. you know, Lou Kaplan gave her a smackdown a couple of days ago. Were you surprised to see that? You know, uh, I know Judge Kaplan. I uh, tried the first case. He, he he has respect for me. I've tried him one of a very big civil rights case in front of him. And, uh, 
Even with that, he was very rough. You know, I had to make a, a motion for a mistrial based on his conduct during my trial with him. Um, he's not, you know, he's, he, he, Judge Kaplan sort of picks a side. When he picks that side, he, you know, you, you know it. You feel it and you see it. He does not like when lawyers are not prepared or lawyers don't know what they're doing. And, and that's where he gets off to a different level. And, and look, this is not a case or courtroom, I should say, federal court, Southern District of New York, in front of senior judge Lewis Kaplan, is not a case to sort of to sort of make your bones to sort of become, you know, learn how to try cases. It's a tough place to be um, if you're not uber prepared and uber experienced. And, and I think that's what we're seeing a little bit of right now. What do you think about this story coming out of Fulton County, Georgia, Joe, this Fannie Willis? I talked to the judge about this about an hour ago where, you know, the, the rumors are she had a very improper relationship with the the uh, prosecutor, the special prosecutor, these are the folks, you know, in Georgia that are leveling all these charges against uh, Trump, Giuliani, 19 people, Rico Act, that whole thing. And uh, sex, uh, money, stealing money, all kinds of really wild uh, allegations against Willis. What are your thoughts on all this? That's a, It's a problem. I mean, you have to, first of all, you have to have the worst judgment in the world, Sid, in the world, to do what she did. You know... You're under the microscope. You're prosecuting the president of the United States, okay? A, a sweeping RICO, which is a racketeering indictment against him and 18 others. And you hire someone to bring into the case as a special prosecutor, so to speak, to work with your office, and you're in the middle of a, a personal relationship with them, which I guess was an extramarital affair, but I don't know about that. The wife, I think they were already separated, but who cares? That's not the point. The point is you paid this person a lot of money. Apparently, she didn't go through the proper channels to get approval for that and paid him a lot of money. And then with that money, they vacationed together. They've done things together. And boy, oh, boy, does that stink. I mean, it really puts this case into some sort of – I don't know if it's, it's a kneecap to the case, but it could be a kneecap to her. And it could really end her involvement in this thing and bring on a special prosecutor who may evaluate this case differently, um, Sid. So it is really crazy to think she lacks that sort of judgment, yet she wants to be the person prosecuting the president. It's, it's, it's a problem because, you know, the district attorney could, could be argued profited significantly from the prosecu- prosecution at the expense of the taxpayers. And that can't happen. You know, uh, a couple of years ago, Joe, we'll wrap up a great conversation with this. Uh, I became a really big fan of Nancy Grace, even though one time she called me out on the Imus show. She actually said to Imus when he was employing me, if you sleep with a dog, you may wake up with fleas. And she was referring to me, mind you, because I was yelling at her on the air because she had Kobe Bryant guilty in that Colorado case before they even tried it. And I was mad, you know, because I was a kid. I like sports. I got mad. Which, which he wasn't. Which he wasn't. Right. I know that case intimately. He right. Was not. Right. So in the end, I ended up being right. But it doesn't matter. But I love her. I'm a huge fan. And she used to do this show on uh, Headline News, and she would cover all these stories, you know. About all these uh, crazy killings, you know, that, that the mother down in Orlando that killed her daughter. She was on that for quite some time. And then she did the Scott Peterson thing. Look, look, all I know is Scott Peterson had a beautiful wife pregnant with their son, Connor. And he was having this affair where he kept telling this lady she was going to be his. That would be it. And then the wife and the unborn child end up dead. And he's got a boat and they find him in the water. I'm sorry. How much evidence do you need? At the very least, he's not a sympathetic figure. Can you explain to me why the L.A. Innocence Project 
is going out of their way to try to help Scott Peterson? I got to tell you, I, I'm like you, Sid. I mean, I followed that case as a legal commentator for Good Morning America um, and, and others. And I got to tell you, that was pretty overwhelming when it came to evidence of guilt. Um, I thought. I thought. Um, you know, I, I have no idea why, but what they claim, I will tell you, I read their papers in preparation for your show, because I like to be prepared for your show and your, your uber-intelligent listeners. <laughs> they claim they have new evidence that now supports his longstanding claim of innocence and raises questions about who abducted and killed Lacey. Um, I, you know, they don't really go into exactly what that new evidence is, which is obviously where, where the $64,000 question lies. But, you know, they claim that they have this new evidence. Um, there's been an allegation by the prosecutor that they withheld some of that exculpatory evidence until this time for some unknown reason. But I, I, I'm not thinking he's going to have jail anytime soon. Don't forget, this was already rejected once by a court. Um, so I don't, I don't really know how how this is going to turn out. But I am curious to see what they claim yeah. the new evidence is that yeah. supports someone else committing yeah. this, this homicide. But right now, I haven't seen a thing nor heard of a thing. Mm. Um, and, you know, look, the Innocence Project, that's why they exist. It's yeah. pro bono. They, they help inmates convicted of crimes trying it out. Um, and, and I don't think they do it if they think the person's guilty. But, but seriously, I mean, you have to have something really powerful to overturn a 20-year-old murder conviction. And it, it has to be evidence of, of really of innocence, not questioning the guilt, but it has to be evidence of innocence at this stage. And I would be shocked, let's put it that way, if, if they have evidence of his innocence. Joe Tacopini, you're always amazing. Not good, great. Thank you once again, A, for clearing up the Trump stuff and B, the rest of the conversation. You the man, my brother. Have yourself a great weekend. I love you. We'll do it again next week. Okay, brother. Thanks. My man, Joseph Tacopina, right here on the Sitting Friends in the Morning Show. This is the first place he's been on since the New York Times broke that story a couple days ago that he was no longer representing my friend, former president, and soon to be the 47th president, Donald Trump. That wraps up hour number three. We've got Gordon Chang stopping by this hour. This is going to be a conversation you don't want to miss. The world is on fire. Will it get worse? How close to home will it get? We'll talk to Gordon Chang coming up this hour. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning, 77 WBC. Sometimes when you go to Instagram, two different sites. By the way, the, the building that John Katzenmatidis, John and Margo, built in St. Petersburg, they're there now. The tallest tower on the west coast of Florida. It's a gorgeous building. 
And while I love staying at Ocean Drive, I've stayed there four or five times. In apartment 22A, to be exact, on Coney Island on the beach, this place in St. Petersburg looks just unbelievable. Just gorgeous. So um, they're there now, and uh, it's about 60 degrees. So have fun down there, guys, and uh, good luck. When you check into my Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney, or at 77 Sid and Friends after the show, a lot of the interviews we do, they take clips, and they run them on social media. And it's on video. For example, Gordon Chang is coming up momentarily. He'll be on a clip later on today. Joseph Takapina was just on, and a host of others. But uh, when we go to commercial breaks, I just noticed they put up a character of me. So was that Gina? It looked like something like a mix between Superman and Chris Merloni from Law and Order. By the way, Law and Order SVU celebrating 25 years this week. I wish I looked like that. It looked like it was something from Nick at Night. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. Look at there's a right now they're showing. Take a picture of that. You know, I look kind of close. Yeah, I mean the cartoon's a little bigger, obviously, but. Close. It has the dastardly look of you. Yes, that dastardly look. (laughs) You need a dastardly look these days. I mean, things are going to a hell in a handbasket. And if you don't believe me, just stick around for the next 10 minutes. Because I promise you, Gordon Chang is going to tell you just that. Now, you need to follow my friend Gordon Chang on X or Twitter, whatever they call it these days, at Gordon G. Chang. He's a great follow. And Gordon also has a brand new booklet out. And it's called China is Going to War. Here he is, my friend Gordon Chang. Gordon, good morning, buddy. How are you? I'm fine, Sid, and thank you so much. Uh, You're welcome. I was talking to Colonel Jack Jacobs yesterday, and I made this point. I know you'll agree. I said, you know, as the Middle East continues, the greater Middle East now, too, but as the Middle East continues to have all these issues, starting, of course, with Hamas's unprovoked horrible attack on Israel, and Putin is still doing his thing in Ukraine. All this stuff is going on. And I said, you know, Colonel, something tells me that China is just sitting there smiling from ear to ear. And he said, not only are you right, but that may in fact delay them from going into Taiwan because the rest of the world right now is kind of playing into their hands. Your thoughts on all this? Well, China is doing more than just sitting back and smiling. I mean, it is fueling the war in Ukraine uh, with Russia. It is uh, helping to create these insurgencies by paying for mercenaries, including the Wagner Group. And, of course, China has been uh, supplying the cash and the weapons to Iran for attacking Israel. So these are proxy wars. And, you know, we won more war, Sid, and I think it's World War III. Remember, in the late 1930s, there were wars all over the world. And eventually there were so many of them, they merged into what we now call World War II. It looks like the same thing is happening now. I, God forbid, I, I just hope I'm wrong, but I don't see Joe Biden doing very much to stop this. Is he the guy that can stop it? I mean, you've been saying this on this show for a long time, a long time. And to your credit, to your credit, Gordon, things have gotten worse, much worse all over the world, coming much closer to proving your point. But if you're telling me I've got to have confidence 
that this old man who's both uh, old and feeble and, and stupid and, and corrupt, that this guy is the only thing standing between us and World War Three. How can I have any confidence, any? Well, uh, you can't, and you can only hope that there's going to be somebody better um, in the, that Oval Office come January 20. Why, why, why do you have to say somebody better? Just say Trump. Yeah, Trump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Trump. Um, look, the, the point here is that Biden has the power to stop this. Um, actually, Biden actually started this um, with that catastrophic withdrawal in Afghanistan. And from there, you have in quick succession, you got the problems all over the world. So he can stop it. But if it goes on for too long, nobody will be able to stop it. And remember, this is not just war over there. This is war here. We've got these militants, um, uh, operatives coming across our southern border, and they're not just Chinese. They're Iranians, they're Syrians, they're Venezuelans. They are coming here to wage war on us, to kill Americans. Remember that secret Chinese biological weapons in, yep. in a facility in Reedley, California? They're going to link up with those facilities. This is really dangerous for Americans. Just on the war front alone, you're right, I agree with everything you just said. The southern border, all these folks that are here, and I've been here, some of them for the better part of three years, leading up to the next 9-11. Um, what's going on uh, with the Houthis? I believe they attacked us, I think the exact number, Gordon, is 26 times. 26 before Joe Biden and this administration, of course, they had to find Lloyd Austin first. He was away for a week in the hospital. I didn't know about it. But before we even fought back. And now, you know, now it's becoming almost daily. I think we've now had four attacks against the Houthis. But how dangerous are they? Well, where is Yemen in all of this? Yeah, well, Yemen's divided into two. The Houthis control the western part of it, the part near the Red Sea. And, you know, Biden has counterattacked, but he did it too late. He didn't do it with enough force. And so the Houthis are continuing to attack, as you just say, which means that um, they looked at the United States and said, we're not afraid of you. Um, remember, this is Iran. This is China. Um, if Biden wants to stop the war in the Middle East, he needs to really pound the crap out of somebody, um, the Houthis and probably Iran. If he does that, that's a great demonstration effect. It means the Chinese say, whoa, we were wrong. This guy is going to come after us if we go after Taiwan, Philippines, Japan, whatever. But no, Biden is not doing that. He's going engaging in these pinprick counterattacks, which are having no effect except to escalate the war. You're right. It's just making the Houthis more pissed off, and they love it. So did you just say the Houthis and Iran? Because I did bring this up to the colonel yesterday in terms of using military force there, and I didn't get the impression he was ready to do that. I am. I mean, give me a break. They're behind everything. I mean, maybe China is. We'll get to that in a moment. But certainly we know Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthis, all Iran. Uh, I don't know what else you need to, to know about them before you drop a bomb somewhere. So are you saying you'd like to see America do something militarily there? I think that there's a number of options. Yeah, it has to be military. Um, things have gotten so bad that diplomacy is no longer an effective option. Now, um, diplomacy could have been an option before, but when you have really bad policy applied over the course of years, you get to the point where uh, people don't believe your word anymore. There is no credibility on the uh, You know, i, I got to stop you for a second. And, again, you're much smarter than me. And I love having you on because you are much smarter than me. Diplomacy would never be, would never work with Iran. I mean, 
and going back to the Jimmy Carter days when they took the hostages, the Ayatollah Khomeini, you know, to even when John Kerry tried to do this bogus deal with them a couple of years ago. I may be wrong, but I get the impression for the better part of 40 years, these people want nothing to do with us on an honesty level. Nothing. Right. I mean, if you have very effective sanctions, if you have other coercive measures, diplomacy can work. Um, but, you know, you are as smart as they come, Sid. So um, you've got to remember that. The, the point here, though, is that the United States no longer – our word no longer has any credibility. When Biden says this is unacceptable, the bad actors say, okay, we're going to continue doing what we're doing. We're doubling down. And that means when you get to that point, the only way the bad actors will listen to us is the use of overwhelming force. Biden just doesn't want to do that, which means this war is going to continue and it's going to spread. And now you have Iran. You know, they attack Syria. They attack Iraq. Now they're attacking Pakistan. You know, this is the war spreading. You know, a lot of people will say, oh, you know, Pakistan, Iran, no big deal. But the point is, it shows the mentality of Tehran right now that they can do whatever they want. Well, tell me then, and this is why I love having you on, because I don't know the answer to this. You know, behind Iran, uh, Iran is China uh, on a practical level. Like we know, for example, that uh, there have been stories that China has been aiding Russia, Putin, in the war against Ukraine from money to weaponry. They deny it, China. But those stories are out there. What does China do on a practical level, which no one's talking about, with Iran to help further their terrorist activities? Money, weapons, Propaganda, diplomacy. All of it. If you go back to the first nine months of last year, the volume of China's purchases of Iranian oil was 60% above the volume in 2017. 2017's important because that was the last year before a guy named Trump um, reimposed American sanctions on the purchase of Iranian oil. So it shows you that China's financing this war. Also, Chinese weapons in Massive quantities have been found with all of the three main terrorist proxies, Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthis. Chinese diplomats have been supporting um, the attacks on Israel. Propaganda from both party and state media outlets have been going hard against Israel. Across the board, Beijing has been supporting the attack on Israel. This is just unbelievable. I mean, uh, by the way, just so you know, Gordon, I've never been to Israel. I've been... um I'm going to pat myself on the back and say that, along with a few others, I've been one of the most uh, vocal people in this business about Israel, about what a you know double, what a traitor Joe Biden is, a backstabbing double talker. He's funding both sides of the war. He's on Iran's side and Israel's side. And when you're doing that, of course, you're on nobody's side. So to me, he's complicit in this whole war. That's how bad that is. Make a long story short, I'm actually going. I'm taking the show to Israel. For the first time next week, I leave next Saturday and the week of January the 29th, that week, Monday through Thursday, because Friday Shabbos, Monday through Thursday, I'm going to do four shows live from Jerusalem coming up not next week, but the week after. And I tell you, Gordon, every time I tell somebody about it, they go, man, that is unbelievable. You belong there. You've been great. No one's been better to Israel. But they always end it with these two words. Be careful. What do you think about that? Yeah, stay safe. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, look, for everyone, uh, whether you're in Israel or in America or traveling around the world, you're a target. And um, 
there are a lot, you know, when Biden has negotiated for the release of Brittany Griner, people said, oh, that's great. The problem is that Iran saw that it can take hostages. So it took hostages, not just in the onesies and twosies. It took hundreds of hostages. So we have to be concerned about what China is doing and what others are doing. Yeah, we we are pulled at the heartstrings by the plights of, of individuals. But if we start negotiating for hostages, this just gets out of hand as it already has. Yeah, I know I keep saying the same thing. And then I talk to one of the hostages' mothers, Rachel Goldberg, about her son Hirsch, and I start to cry, and I feel badly. But you're right. You can't. You cannot go about a war based on 200 people when thousands are at risk every day in that region. And that's kind of the difficult task that Netanyahu has ahead of him. It's, uh, it's just not easy, Gordon. But, no, it's uh, not. No, so let me, let me ask you this. Uh, I'm going to uh, assume that Joe Biden is not going to do anything to make it better, okay, that things will just get worse. But I'm hoping at least that we don't get to World War III. The closer we get to the election, and now we're not that far away, November, where Donald Trump should win, most likely will win. Will China at that point start to do things differently if they start to feel like Trump is going to be back in power? Okay. okay. Um, Trump's winning is going to be a factor pushing them to war. The other thing, though, is that inside China, there are a lot of factors inhibiting Xi Jinping from going to war. Because the decision-making process in China is so opaque these days, more so than in the past, we don't have visibility into their decision-making, so we don't know. But the point is, when they see Biden in office and that he's leaving, that is going to be something to say, we've got to move now while we've got a weak American president. No doubt about it. Wow. So uh, when I go out and get this booklet, because anything you do I want, Gordon, China uh, is going to war. What exactly is that saying in that booklet? It says that there's an almost irresistible momentum inside of Beijing to go to war. Nothing's inevitable, Sid, so the worst doesn't absolutely have to happen. But we are seeing all sorts of factors that are pushing the Chinese regime to go to war. And, you know, it's very dangerous right now. At this moment, there are 135 Chinese vessels around Whitsun Reef of the Philippines in the South China Sea. You know, you have the clashes between the Chinese and the Indians in the Himalayas, in Galwan. You have Xi Jinping in the last couple of weeks ramping up the rhetoric against Japan in the East China Sea over the islands that are disputed. The Japanese call them the Senkakus, the Chinese call them the Dalyus. You've got problems all over the world right now on China's periphery. God knows where it starts, but it can start anywhere. China can stumble into war. And by the way, once it does that, there is no talking to these guys because only the most hostile answers are considered acceptable in China's political system right now. Oh, my God. So in the final 30 seconds, I've also been told that while we're out there protecting Taiwan and uh, Biden has, uh, you know, he's uh, put the hammer down, man. You're going to Taiwan. You're going to have some problems, whatever. Um, I've been told that the people who live there actually wouldn't mind it, that the majority of people living in Taiwan are okay with uh, with Chinese rule. Is that true? Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, the only, maybe about 3 or 4% want Chinese rule right away. Um, if you add Chinese rule at some point, you maybe get under 10 someplace. The people in Taiwan view themselves as Taiwanese, not Chinese. We see this in self-identification surveys. They do not think they're part of China. 
Uh, Ed, definitely not. That view is wrong. That's propagated by some guy who's being paid by Beijing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of those guys. All right, well, the booklet, once again, is China is going to war. His Twitter is the best out there, folks. Trust me, Gordon G., Gordon G. Chang. And as always, Gordon, you never disappoint. That was a great segment. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, students. Stay safe. You too. Be careful. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you, Gordon Chang. I love that guy. I met him and um, his wife, Lydia. At the WABC Gala. They're so cute. Nice people. Smart guy. Well, now he's telling you to be careful. I know. Now, now when you hear it from him. Everybody says it, except for Alec. Alec is like, don't worry. Everything's great. My family lives there. They're they, fine. You're going to be fine. Be, you're going to be fine. He's I'm, never going to have a booklet on fun news, you know. Right? <laughs> yeah, you right, know that. That's right. not, these <laughs> yeah. are the best places to party in the United States. <laughs> yeah, he's not making a best dress no. list of 2023. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> His Twitter account is filled with, here are the greatest hiding places in the United States when missiles come. Maybe an NFL booklet coming out, Gordon <laughs> Chang. Who a knows? booklet. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come back out of Friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Part of that 27 club, the great Janice Joplin. Happy birthday, Janice. 
I got to blow my nose. I got a booger in my left nostril really? all morning can't, long. Can't it's, yeah, I can't tell. And they keep catching me on video picking my nose. I just don't care. Did you find anything up there? No, I know where it is. I'm just having ah, trouble getting to okay. it. So. X marks the spot. me a napkin and shut up. Somebody get a GPS for Sid's nose. <laughs> How old would uh, Johnny Stoplin be if she didn't die like 100 years ago? No, I think whatever's in her nose is a little <laughs> yeah. older, but 80, She'd be in her 80s, right? 80, 81. 81. She, she died at 27, just like yeah. Jimi Hendrix, just like Kurt Cobain, just like Amy Winehouse. Jim Morrison. Jim Morrison. All died. Uh, Gene Simmons, the douchebag lead singer of the group Kiss. He's such a douche. What happened with him? Uh, he was in the studio with me and Bernie a couple of times. Like, I've never seen somebody more impressed with themselves. I mean, I know. Listen, <laughs> I get it. Kiss is a big deal. And he's married to Shannon Tweed. He banged like a million chicks. Talked, I get it. He talked like it, too. Oh, God. He was condescending. Uh, and him and I uh, went at it a couple of times. It was all in good fun. I mean, I do like the guy. You see, here's the thing with me. There's a lot of people that I think are douchebags, but I like them. Like, to me, douchebag doesn't mean I can't like you. Asshole, I can't like you. But okay, douchebag. Okay. Yeah. Sure, right there. Douchebag, I like you. Douchebag's just something that somebody is, is being at a moment in time. Are you actually having, like, a serious... It made sense if you just analysis. think about it. It, it, it makes, makes sense, sense if you, you just think thank you. about it. Thank you, Justin. Yeah. Thank you. Uh-huh. It does make sense, seriously. <laughs> so Simmons is a douchebag, but he wrote this book, 27, about all the artists that died at 27. There's a ton of them. You didn't know that, did you? No, and it means nothing, too. It doesn't have anything to do with anything. Well, if I was a popular singer, like if I'm Justin Bieber... I'm nervous when I hit 27. Well, you should be nervous being Justin Bieber no matter what. That's a good he's a, point. He's a freaking do, what you call D-bag. But he's married to uh, Stephen Baldwin's beautiful daughter. What is her name again? Haley Bieber. Yeah. How do you know that? Well, Sid, being Gene Simmons, I happen to know lots of things that go on. You know, I've had more women than Jesus Christ. Has no, he has. He's right there with Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt stopped counting at 22,000 women. Oh, my God. Yeah, just, that's what he yeah. said. Do you remember, uh, I remember Gene Shim- Simmons showing up on Oprah, and he brought the notebook of all the Polaroids that he'd taken of all the women that he had I remember that, with. too, of course. And, and I, I consent was, to that? I yeah. guess they did. So yeah. he took a Polaroid of every woman right. he slept with, and then he showed her the notebook. And I just remember her reaction. Unbelievable. Yeah. Right. yeah. She started passing them out to the crowd. You get a Polaroid. <laughs> yeah. You get a Polaroid. Right. Now, before we break here, uh, Justin Ellick, this will be, uh, if you can do this, I'll be very surprised. But can you name all four band members of the group Kiss? No. Oh, right. uh, Thank you very much for playing yeah. along. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I know two. Give me, give me two. Okay, you got Gene, and isn't there some guy named, like, um... Pete Townsend? Yeah, there we go. Right? No? no. Yeah? No? <laughs> uh, <laughs> gee, I thought he could, I, I made the mistake of thinking he was helping me out. No. How about how about uh, the drummer? He sang one of my favorite songs ever, Beth. I don't, I don't know. Actually, I was not in the studio during that one. <laughs> I, I did not consent to it, but it's all right. It's That's so Ace okay. Freely, by the way, I think. I don't know. No, no, no Beth is uh, Peter Chris. Peter Chris. Right. Mm. Ace Freely. And who was the other one again? Uh, Let's see. Paul Stanley. Very good. Nicely done. I think he was going to recognize any of them. Give me some some kiss on the way out here. Give me some of that stuff. Give me, you shook me, baby. You shook (laughs) me all night long. You shook me. me. Oh, I thought you would want to. Come on. I had Detroit Rock City. I had the album. I had the whole thing. You kidding me? Listen to this. Kiss. Oh, yeah.
Sid and friends in the morning. What you say? Be just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Boy. Dolly Parton, turning 78 years old today. 78! Dolly, baby! You know, I uh, brought this up with Joe Tacopino earlier, the L.A. Innocence Project, working to clear Scott Peterson. He's guilty! He killed his wife, Lacey, and the unborn son, Connor. He was having this... Big affair with Amber Fry. Remember her, that blonde chicksa? You remember her, uh, Justin, right? Yeah. Well, now the L.A. Innocence Project, they got evidence that says that uh, he's not guilty. But uh, I don't trust these people. My God. You know who works with people like that? Ron Kuby. I know so does Alan Dershowitz, but he's guilty. Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, I feel like if you're usually, usually, you know. More times than not, if you're accused of murdering your wife, you probably did it. Yeah, right? Yeah. Who else did it? Right. It's like O.J. That's why they always ask to go to the husband first. Like, who, you know, O.J., who did it then? You know, he did it. Obviously. William Shatner got off. That's true. She was found dead in the swimming pool. Right in the swimming yeah. pool. <laughs> Frank Brown won't bring that up. And then, uh, uh, I have to you, know, say, really, you know, who really got off? Robert Blake. Robert Blake, I was just going to say. He shot her too. right in the face. Yeah. How, but, how do you shoot your wife? But didn't he go to jail for something else? That he, he was in jail I don't know. for something. Beretta. But how do you shoot your wife? And, and you just yeah. What that's... was what was the what was his defense? Right. I don't know what even happened there. I don't. I don't know. Hey man, Huggy Bear just shot it off. <laughs> yeah, Huggy Bear. <laughs> Wasn't Huggy Bear Starsky and Hutch? Huggy Bear. Okay, and Ro- yeah. Rooster was the other. I think guy? it was. was yeah. Rooster? Yeah. Okay. Hutch is dead. Don't do the time if you don't do the time. That's right. Yeah. Robert Blake was actually one of the little kids in the Little Rascals. Yeah. You know, I saw a Broadway show back in, I think, November, where they chronicled the life of a bunch of young stars who died tragic deaths, and one of those was Alfalfa, who was killed by a gunshot. So we are done for the week. It's been a great, great week of shows. You've got one more week in America next week before we travel to Israel. For shows starting Monday, January the 29th, 
So from all of us on Sid and Friends in the Morning, the great Lou Rufino, who's just a genius, Justin Ellick, who's wonderful, Noam Layden, who's great, have yourselves a safe weekend. Be careful in the snow today. It is snowing now in Midtown Manhattan. God willing, as Gene would say, we'll all be back for a 6 a.m. show on Monday morning. Until then, from all of us to all of you, peace! This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.